Dear baby listener, Goat Games is produced in association with The Network. Find our show and other great podcasts at bicbp-radio.com. Also, Goat Games includes many, many spoilers for every game that we play. If you don't want the game spoiled for you, we recommend playing the game and coming back to listen to the episode afterwards. In the meantime, check out a different episode, maybe, if you feel like it. All right, on to this episode. I have all these fucking Pokemon cards all over the goddamn place. (laughs) Pokemon cards. Dude, I, I have gotten so fucking addicted to Pokemon cards just out of the blue. Just out of the hell blue. yeah! You got to be careful, man. You got to be careful. Well, I haven't opened yeah. anything since like 1999 or whenever it was, and then like all of a sudden oh, I opened a box, and that box I opened was like literally Pandora's box because now it's just like I have all these Pokemon cards now because it's cool when you get like the cool ones, but then when you get like the shitty ones, which is like most of them, it's like, well, fuck, what do I do with all of these now? <laughs> oh, um, if you get enough of them, there's places that'll just basically pay you by the weight. Oh, interesting! Wow, <laughs> wow. holy shit! <laughs> like kilos, like, like bricks of Pokemon cards. Like, yeah, it's no, like, it's I, like um... cocaine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no. So, like, when I was going deep on the cards, uh, <clears throat> and I oh, mean, so you saw the dark side too at one point. I'm talking deep, deep on the cards. I oh, had like in a, too deep. I sent like sixty pounds. To like a company, <laughs> and to a reputable company in a back alley, <laughs> sixty pounds of straight cards, <laughs> straight uncut black tar Pokemon cards, God. <laughs> straight up. Um, but like I sent them like all the commons, all the energy cards, and then like the shitty foils, not the good cards. See, Zach, what you're doing right now is enabling me, and that's a no-no. <laughs> Hell yeah. You're oh, enabling my fucking Pokemon card addiction I have all of a sudden here. Steve, let me intru- let me introduce Holy you to Plastic shit. Crack. Oh, wow. Wait, what oh, is that? Is that I mean, po- it's, it's no, that's Gundam. not Pokemon. It's a box. It's okay. a box full of parts <laughs> to make a giant Gundam. Oh, that's badass. How, how giant? How giant? Is it, is it an actual full-size mech suit? Can you get inside it? No. Is it 17 feet tall? <laughs> is it's... it 17 feet tall? <laughs> no. That's what I need to know. Eight, 18 inches? Bush League. Bush League. I, I have something to show you. Check this out. Oh. Uh, He's unzipping uh, his pants. Perfect. <laughs> perfect replica model of me. Oh, that's oh <laughs> now that's a collector's item. And you're yeah. wearing your trash bag cape, just like real life. I was going to say, that looks like a dog bag. What do you think I wear daily? I was uh, I was digging for this box. Ooh. Is that this D-Box? Is my, what's in there? This is my retirement plan. What's is in it? it? Baseball cards? Gold teeth? Uh, it's, better than, it's better than baseball cards. Is it food? Can it's I Dragon Ball it? Z cards. It's graded Pokemon cards. Oh, what? oh. What's the best one? Oh, yeah. Certified and everything. Holy smokes. What's your big daddy card? Yeah. What is that? Oh, oh that's a Charizard that's a of some card. kind. Shiny Charizard, and it's a PSA oh, 10. 
Oh, oh shit. These are all new I don't things. know what that I means. I don't know what all these are. It means they all, they all intents and purposes, 10. it was inspected under a microscope and deemed to be perfect. Oh. And then yeah. here's here's another one that's the regular Charizard. Wait, so how much is that wow. 10, that Holy 10 out of 10 worth, roughly? Uh, the black one, 500 bucks. Oh. Now that nice. you can retire off that. You could you retire off $500 for sure. <laughs> um, so I got into Pokemon collecting when we all did. Um, I was a child and I would go to Books a Million every single Saturday, get booster packs and trade and play. Um, I had, I don't know how it works anymore. I'm, I'm out of the game. I, I, <laughs> I got out of that shit a long Here's time ago. Here's my advice to but, you. Don't go back in. It's, it's yeah, too yeah, dangerous. <laughs> well, it's too depressing because at the time, this is like Gen 1. I don't know if it's actual Gen 1 or just like the oh, first. Are like, you thinking about print. all the good cards you've given away I had for a hollow Charizard. I had a hollow <laughs> Venusaur. I had a hollow Bol- uh, Blastoise. I had a hollow Mewtwo. I had, um, I, my mom, I believe, threw away all my Pokemon Oh, cards. no. <gasps> How do well, we cancel okay. this woman? Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> they well, I should say they all disappeared while I was gone to college. Oh, okay. So she either gave, she either destroyed them in a fire, or gave them to yeah, some snot nosed yeah. kid. The or dog something. took them when he ran away, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when my dog <laughs> ran away to go get a pack of cigarettes and never came back. Uh, <laughs> no, I had a shitload and, uh, of like uh, late '90s, early 2000s Pokemon cards, Magic cards, Dragon Ball Z cards, and somebody kifed them. Now, one of my folders with the original 151, when I was collecting them, granted, a lot of those cards, even I was a child, don't all of them? Oh, yeah. I've had it twice. But oh, what? I, I only so have once. Uh, some of those cards, because I was a kid, I printed my Pokemon Snap Pokemon because they were so awesome. And I would put them on the cards. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's only some of them. <laughs> then I learned about sleeves oh, and I so put them bad. on top of the cases. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude! So, you might as well wiped your ass with him. That's so sad. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't. I didn't know Pokemon any better. They were just Pokemon, and they were cool. To be fair, yeah. Pokemon snaps. To be, yeah, it does. Um, it is. It is a crime that we are talking about card collecting, and Rob is in here this recording because I don't know if you've watched his stream, but he has like he gets all these like crazy wild um card collections and like and like you're sh- I, I, full, I okay full disclosure i don't know how the system works somehow he gives them to chat i don't really know what goes on there but um he's like the master of obscure card collecting not valuable card collecting mind you he gets all he gets like cory in the house cards he gets like all my children cards yeah i have watched him open packs of cards that shouldn't exist i saw he had mario the mm-hmm. movie cards from the 80s <laughs> I mean, I asked him once straight up. I was like, "Where do you get these? Like, I want to get in on this, not like to stream it." And he pulled a gun on me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just wanted to get in on this action for entertainment purposes. And he dead ass looked me in the eyes. He's like, "I can't tell you that." <laughs> oh wow! And I thought he was kidding. You know, I thought, "Oh, he's just joking around." I was like, "Seriously though," and he's like, "Look, man, I, I can't tell you." <laughs> oh, my gosh! Wow. <laughs> Well, he's not here to defend himself, so we're just going to assume that he gets him through very nefarious, illegal means. And then he was like, oh, no, no, I just find him in thrift stores. 
No, he does not. Bullshit. Where's someone get Rob on the phone? Because there's no <laughs> way that he gets those cards at thrift stores. I've been in so many thrift stores. I've never seen an all my children collector's card pack in a single thrift store. No, I think he said he looks for like he looks on eBay. Like he just looks up like TCG. And then he just if he sees something that's weird, he's just like, yep. Wow. Damn. Jealous. I mean, I guess I'm not jealous. I could do it. <laughs> but this is why Rob's better than all of us. I mean, I'm just going to hop on eBay real quick and I'm just typing in the word TCG. <laughs> and uh oh wow, they actually have like a list off to the side like you can you can look for specific games. Oh, this looks like this looks like the honey hole. There's just a, a category <laughs> that says not specified with 134,000 listings. Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's 134,000 oh. unknown. Zach, take me there. Take me here. there. What's what's By the way, I was thinking about like, you know, listening to our last episodes and stuff, but like um I like how Zach and no pressure to do this role all the time. It's kind of like our guy in the chair. Like he's like, uh, like whenever there's like information that needs to be found or like research, he's always on it. Yeah, Looked at it. like he has the same resources we do. We're just too lazy, but he's always the one who's like, I just can't sit still. Yeah, it's like you you say something. I'm like, yeah, I gotta look into this shit. Yep. Let's see what's let's see what we got. Oh my god, there's Neptune Hyperdimension Neptunia Goddess story trading cards. That's that's anime shit. Is that that sounds like a that sounds like a like a naughty anime? Is it a it, naughty anime? Zach, it's a, be it's very fan servicey, but yeah, it's um, it's like a parody of the I'm gaming the industry as told through bouncy waifus. Gotcha. Okay. Like there's a Sony waifu, a Xbox waifu. Like how does oh. Sony and Xbox feel about these portrayals? It's parody. They can feel however the hell they want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Fair enough. Fuck them. Exactly. Slap the label parody on anything and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. That's how I play every song and sound effect in our podcast. <laughs> Just keep saying, I, I, you guys don't hear it, but before every song or, 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 or sound effect in our podcast, I just quietly whisper, parody. And then like, it's a joke. <laughs> so that way you can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parody. Heyo, it's Figio, and welcome to Goat Games, where we only play the best games. I'm your host, Alan Newton, and on Goat Games, we take a look at games that are widely considered the quote-unquote greatest of all time, and talk about them. Are they great? What makes them great? Or are they just overrated? Let's find out. We like to have streamers on the show whenever we can, so you can watch the hosts play the games we talk about in real time. You can find me at twitch.tv backslash figgy underscore O. I'm joined today by Q. Uh, what's up? Yo, what's nope. up? I'm Q. Sorry, right I was taking a drink. <laughs> Sorry, I was, in, I was mid-drink. Gullet full of liquids. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Q. Some call me Rat. And... How am I so bad at this? What am I supposed to talk about? You used to say you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, listen. You can find me on Twitch sometimes, but not very often anymore. That's rat 
underscore parade. But check this out. We've Goat Games. Goat Games got that YouTube now. So it's true. You can look on there for content. And it's me. true. There's a the first. That's the best I got. The first series is up of Q and I playing uh, Mortuary Assistant, and that'll hopefully be branching out um, in the near future. Um, mm-hmm. Well done, Q. Hey, real quick, <laughs> I'm doing my best here, man. <laughs> real quick, and I'm interrupting. Q, I'm going to leave nice long pause in case we need to edit this out. <laughs> Q, do you want to oh address the fact that <laughs> your name is Q with like QAnon and you're also very conspiratorially minded <laughs> and stuff on the podcast? Or... Wait, oh, oh, let's back this up. Are you Rebrand. associating me with this? I just want because now it's out there in the ether. No, I just think you should clear the air. <laughs> uh, but you are not actually okay. Q okay, from <clears throat> QAnon. But... Let's all right. Let's restart. Here we go. He's, He's not, not the, the actual Q. Q anon. Here it is. Clean break. And yo, what's up? I'm Q. Definitely not Q anon. <laughs> not associated at all with the conspiracy website or theories. <laughs> and uh, let's go. Excellent. But you are conspiratorial. Yeah. I'm extremely conspiratorial. I believe nothing. I think that any. I think that just when you go by the name <laughs> Q, it's like a self fulfilling pol- prophecy of like you're going to be conspiratorial and deranged a little bit, at least a little bit. Oh my god. Um okay. What, what is my life? Anyway, next up we have Steve. That is me. It's the Cheese Man. Uh my name is Steve for Cheese. Uh you can find me on Twitch there. Uh although I don't think I'm gonna be streaming this month much, so maybe Guys, you won't we... find me there. <laughs> we can't Our whole do premise is we can't be like streamers. <laughs> we can't be like yeah, but I don't actually stream. Well, what else do you want me to say? I don't know. I'm Steve, and uh, you know what? We won't talk about Twitch. I'll talk about something else. Hi, my name is Steve, and I have a dog, and I love him. There. There we go. Um, (laughs) Beautiful. All right. And then last we have Zach. Hey, I'm Zach. Um, I stream on Twitch under the handle Zach Attacks Games. I really wanted to stream this game, but the PC version took a big shit on me, so I just played it and ignored streaming altogether. Yeah, the, the, the PC port was not great. We are um, pro streamers. Yeah. And then also, hey, Rob's <laughs> not here, so no one's here to make us look bad. And with our with our stream Yeah, Rob's pitch. the actual only one that consistently streams. <laughs> well no, and also just his pitch is so like polished every I know, time. Right? You know what I mean? I know. So I know. This was our chance to shine and we all fucked it up. I'm actually yeah, looking to see if Rob is streaming right now. I think my intro was flawless. He's not. Thank you very much. You did great. <laughs> you I'm I'm proud of each of you. Um, well, well done. I don't think any friends of the podcast are streaming, unfortunately. Shoot us an email. Tell us how our opening pitches were out of ten. That's right. Yeah, and let us let let us hear your voice, hey guys. If you um, if you oh. want to see us streaming more often, we're gonna start needing to see some donos coming in to the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you piece of shit. Guys, this episode five. Where's the money? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today, today, dear baby listener, we are discussing, um, <clears throat> today we are discussing Bioshock. Bio daddy. Bio daddy, that's right. As, that's what they call it in the biz. Um, 
And today, our oh my gosh, guys. Okay, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk anything up or down or anything. Um, uh, it would be awful if I talked it down. Steve has prepared something wonderful, or he's prepared a statement for Bioshock. Um, it'd be terrible if I was talking it down ahead of time. <laughs> Steve prepared this piece of shit. Steve. Get ready, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> um, okay, take it away, Steve. Dear baby listener, my name is Steve Porchise, and I am here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to his or her own opinion on what is or is not the GOAT game? No, says Rat Parade, it belongs to Elden Ring. No, says Super Captain Rob, it belongs to Earthbound. No, says Figgy, it belongs to God of War. No, says Zack Attacks Games, it belongs to Super Mario World. I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose Bioshock. Originally launched in 2007, director Ken Levine from 2K wanted to embark on a new project. Considered to be a spiritual success in the system shock, another one of Levine's projects, Bioshock takes place in 1960 and follows protagonist Jack into an accidentally discovered underwater city, which may have been better left off undiscovered. Bioshock combines first-person shooter and RPG elements with a mixture of horror that culminates into a game that many people consider one of the greatest of all time. But is it actually? Would you kindly listen? Would you kindly dive into the ocean with us? Would you kindly embark on this journey with us to truly decide if Bioshock is one of the greatest of all time? Chills. Chills. Holy ten out of ten. Bravo. Mike Drop. Well I'm done. leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, we are lucky to have you. Body content. Um, <laughs> well done. Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna keep ramping these up. I mean, it's just one one of them. Someone's just gonna have to write a full blown like opera um, about like yeah, the game at some it's, point because it's just getting more and more involved. A full animated um, like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> an animated short of the elevator yeah. pitch. <laughs> um, I'm going to roll a dice. So, Zach, Perfect. tell us about your experience with Bioshock. Is this your first time playing it? I, no. Or, or, um, t- tell, us about, tell us about your experience with Bioshock. So, um, my first glimpse of Bioshock was, uh, um, I want to say it was... Uh, in 2006 before the game came out um so a little known fact about me um once upon a time i wanted to be a game developer and um it may have been 2007 i mean these these years of my life were alcohol fueled and filled with late nights um but (laughs) i went to e3 uh before it was public oh cool 
um you know now e3 if it ever comes back is like a public show but i went when it was an industry insider like trade show where you would go and try to sell games and um you would try to network within the industry and bioshock was there um i want to say it was 2006 because um i also played gears of war there with cliffy b and he's a really cool dude um but I saw it there and I thought, well, this is kind of cool. Um, you know, it was just a really quick like gameplay demo. I really loved the art deco styling of it. And I was like, this is cool. Um, fast forward to, I believe it came out, um, what, like 2008, 2007. Um, I was working at GameStop uh, and had been following the game since I saw it. Um, I worked the midnight release at the GameStop I worked at to sell it. Um, and we actually got this really cool package from Take Two. Um, because when it first came out, Bioshock was an Xbox 360 exclusive that later got ported to everything. Um, but Take Two sent us this really cool package that had um the original style 360 faceplate in it, and it had a big daddy on it, and uh we had like lanyards nice. that had Bioshock on them. So they gave us all this cool stuff. Um, like what we were supposed to do is put the faceplate on the demo 360. And then all our lanyards were supposed to be Bioshock. And um, it was a good time anyway. So my first experience actually sitting down and playing the completed game was that midnight release after I punched out, went home, booted it up. And I don't think I slept for two days. Like I just played it. <laughs> nonstop. Um, I loved it, you know, out of the gate. I was like, this is really cool. But I was also, you know, a lot some of the themes kind of went over my head the first time I played it. I was just kind of engrossed in like the graphics. It's like this game's pretty. The art style yeah. is so good. And I missed a lot of the subtle things like my first playthrough. Um, but you know, I was just when it was done, I was like, man, that that was special. Like that was an experience. Yeah. Um, and it was at the time, you know, I was like, man, people are missing out. Like you got to play Bioshock. Like I was the biggest advocate for that game. Like, no, you have to go drop everything, play Bioshock. Um, really liked it. And then as I got older, um, I started to realize like, there's a lot of people that this game really resonated with. Like the fandom for this Mm -hmm. game is, you know, it's huge. And the, the people that it clicked with, like they, they really love this game in a way that you don't see very very often um and you know a lot of people in games media still talk about bioshock being like the tentpole game like this is what you have to stack up to you know some 15 years later like that's still the game that people are chasing trying to get that high that bioshock high oh yeah can you hear me yep oh okay sorry yeah yeah Um, the joke fell flat yeah (laughs) Yeah, it just wasn't worth responding to. <laughs> okay, well, at least I, now I know. I'd rather it be a problem with my personality than a problem with the tech. Can you hear me? Tell me you love me. You love that, right? Please acknowledge me. Is anyone there? Hello? I did, I did hear uproarious laughter. Like, wait, oh, my God, the darkness is closing in. <laughs> um, excellent. Okay. Uh, I'm rolling a dice again. Um, okay, uh, Steve, you're up. All right. Um, so I, the game came out in like 2007. So I was in like eighth grade at that point. Um, 
So I, I was a, I was mm-hmm. a wee little cheese boy at that point. Um, but it was like two years later. It was like two or three years later. So either like 2009, 2010, like somewhere around there, maybe 2011 even. Um, I never had the 360, so I had the PS3. So eventually, like Zach said, the game got ported to the PS3. Uh, so it was my birthday the one year, and my buddy uh, Dan from Your Average Ordinary, go check hey. him out. Shout outs to Dan. Um, he actually gifted me the game. You know, he and he was just like, I don't know. I heard this game was good, and I was just like, Oh, that's cool. Like, sure, I'm down to try it or whatever. I don't know too much about this. Um, so the one night he stayed over, a couple of my friends did. And uh, like Zach, we we did not sleep that entire night. We were so engrossed into the game. Uh, it was just like a perfect, like, cool thing. You know, we like I said, we were kind of younger, so the game's a little creepy, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just remember, like, staying up all night and, like, hacking, like, the robots and stuff like that and just whacking things with the wrench. Uh, it was a it was a fun time. Um, and since then, I've beaten it a couple times. I love the game. Um, also like Zach, uh, I missed, you know, some things the first time I played, um, you know, as you get older, you, you realize like, you know, more the bitter. deeper, yeah, <laughs> you realize the more deeper, uh, themes behind the game that are in it or whatever. Um, so I feel like it's one of those games that like aged with time. Well, at least for me, just because, you know, like I said, I was younger when I played it. It grew with you. Um, and I didn't know about. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I've beaten it multiple times. Um, I love the game. I played the sequel. I played the the third game. It's it's an amazing series. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Nice. Okay. Um, there's no 50-50 on here. Okay, well, I'm just going to roll again until it's a one, one or a two. Oh, it's me. It's me. I'm, I'm, number, I'm number one. Okay. Um, Dice says I go now. So yeah, this game was actually like um pretty important to me in my like gaming history, my oeuvre, if you will. Uh, my game, like it was just so after I was played video games nonstop, and I was a wee little fig, um, a little figlet, and um, when I was a child, and then into my teenage years, and then I kind of took a little hiatus from gaming, um, because I took up. Um, I, I got pretty into like you know music and stuff, and um, I don't know. I, I think I I entered some kind of uh, misconception that I had kind of outgrown video games or something, um, which is dumb. Um, and then in my early twenties, so I didn't play it when it came out, but I had I had heard through like just whispers in the grapevine that this game was like pretty great. You should check it out, and I was like, okay. And so. On a family vacation, um, rather than spending time with my family, I got my hands on this game um, in my early 20s. And this was the game that kind of, like, reintroduced me to video games, kind of. And not just, like, because it was fun, but because it was... um, I mean, I played very story-centric games prior to that. Like, I mentioned RPGs and stuff. Um, But this game just felt so, again, to my young early 20s mind it just felt so mature like it was just trying to do something that like i had never seen video games do before and um and the gameplay itself was like engaging the world of rapture is just incredible like it was just it was just so easy to get lost in and then like 
um, the storytelling and the themes and the and the of course the huge major twist was all just like so mind blowing that it almost single handedly made me realize like oh I didn't know video game so this is what video games can do I didn't know video games can do this and um, kind of brought me back into the gaming fold um, and so it was pretty formative for me in my uh, gaming history my gaming um, yeah time it brought me back into gaming basically so. I owe that, you know, I owe that debt to Bioshock. It was super important to me. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, I, I think it, you know, largely holds up. Like, I, I had, I had played, I had, st- I've started it multiple times since then because it has some of the best opening acts of a video game, um, in my opinion. Like, it's just a very, very, very good opening act. And it's like, um, and it's engrossing, and it's just like it's a great game to show people to like. Hey, did you know video games are art? Um, and but I don't think I had finished it. I don't think I had done it to completion until this playthrough again. Um, and so yeah, um, I had a great time playing it, and um, it was extremely important to me in my gaming history. So I'm happy to cover on the podcast. All right, Q, talk about your uh, Bioshocking so history. Your my uh yeah tell us how you've bioshock bio my my oh bioshock story is ooh i yes. had never played the game until about 4 years ago knew almost nothing about it um i remember when it came out a few of my friends were playing it they're like dude you got to play this game this game's crazy this game's awesome but back in 2007 2008 i was still a big halo head I was I was thriving mm-hmm. in uh, Fallout Three. Portal was out, and they were like, mm-hmm. "Man, I got everything I need. I am not lacking in life." So never gave a second glance back at it until about four years ago. Um, I decided to pick it up on my Xbox, and I played the first game, and then I immediately got the second game, and it was an amazing, incredible adventure. It was so engrossing. I was so impressed with how fun how just refreshing the story was it i mean i had a blast i've stayed up super late for a week just binging both of these games um and yeah i mean between then though i never i didn't know anything about the game i never played it um for many 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 years until four years ago and then after i beat them i didn't play them again until very recently Nice, excellent. Yeah. Okay. So, that, so none of us are none of us are uh, are new to the game. I guess we've all we've all been to Rapture before. Um, okay. Well, let's start talking about it. Uh, I'm going to start with the um, just the. I guess we'll kind of do visual slash the world of just regardless of what comes out about this game in our discussion later. I just want to go on record as saying Rapture is one of the most engrossing worlds in video games and in my limited experience like fiction in general um rapture is just one of the coolest places i've ever seen in a video game um um yeah so like i I, you know so for the uh, you know most people who are listening to this podcast have probably played this game we recommend playing the games before you um listen to the podcast but yeah, just this incredible like juxtaposition of a fallen art deco libertarian paradise put under the water, put on put underwater, and just seeing like where that takes you, like where that goes, and um, the 
it's just so much attention to like attention uh, to style and detail um in every in every single nook and cranny um it just um everything just feels so like fully realized and lived in everything just feels so like you just get a real sense of this like culture and community with very little like direct exposition um you just like they just the the story takes place shortly after the fall of this of this uh of this like world and everything is just like you can you get a, an amazing sense of the way people lived the way people like felt and thought um without even using like the audio stuff you're just looking around just like looking at the advertisements looking at the way the looking at the art styles the the uh the way uh the, what what the um splicers look like what they're what, what I'm sorry the splicers are the people who are if you're listening to this podcast you probably played bioshock what the what the enemies and and people like look like what they're doing what they're wearing and just style just like permeates everything in this game they just went in with a singular vision of like what rapture is what it represents and what it looks like and um and they just like executed on this thing that's just like never been attempted before like you can't like like so many other worlds sorry i'm talking for a long time i'll ease up in a little bit um like so many other like game worlds it's like as beautiful and breathtaking as they are they're clearly taking inspiration from other things you know like your fantasy worlds your sci-fi worlds your cyberpunk worlds but nothing's been done like rapture before i mean art deco is obviously a stylistic choice that has been happened in real life but to my knowledge nothing looks like rapture and I just think that yeah. was such I think an amazing. They absolutely smashed it out of the park from the get go to the first few hours of playing the game at realizing and establishing a, an entire living, breathing, full world. Like you are completely correct that the moment the moment it's re- that uh, Rapture is revealed from the from the sub or whatever that little pod is to getting inside and, and learning the, you know, the pulse of the pulse of the city and the sort of the, you know, the nightlife, the daylife, the politics, how people live between that and just how well every nook and cranny and spatial area is so there is no part of when you're looking around in this game that is unfinished. You look outside of any tube mm. across the way and like everything is so well designed. They put so much uh, tender, loving care into designing this entire city to feel lived in, breathed in. And it, it is, it is immaculate. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's incredible. Breathtaking. Um, yeah. And, um, I love, and so not only is the world so visually appealing, but each area tells the story of its, like, well, not each area, because some areas don't have, like, a boss or whatever. He tells the story of, like, this, like, one segment of Rapture. So, like, the the, the first area being essentially the hospital and, like, and just, like, Rapture's people's obsession with aesthetics and, you know, which is a mirror of our own society, I suppose. Um, and just this, this Dr. Steinman, like, going nuts, um... So for those of you, listen, dear baby listener, if you haven't played, you start off um, trying to get through this like underwater city led by this person named Atlas who's over a radio. And you start in the first areas and you're going through the city basically seeing like Rapture, the city named Rapture underneath the water. And one of the first places you go through is the medical pavilion and you're um, being and you're being like, ha- you know, 
antagonized by this Dr. Steinman, who is a plastic surgeon. And because of the advances of like Adam and um, this, this genetic altering material, he's able to do things like with people's like appearances that you can like have never been done. And you're going through this place and just seeing like the first thing you like, like you open up when you like, is this, this in this like stark, like noir black, like lighting of just like do no harm. And just like this, like trail of blood and just like, Ugh, everything about the presentation of like of this world is just like so engrossing, both for telling like the 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 city itself and also just like the characters there. I think one thing I'd like to point out, which is that you just mentioned, which is really awesome about how they fleshed out such a believable environment and made it feel so lived in and real, is every level, every area you go in Rapture, is like a different industrial district of something it it basically you can see how this whole society works and is believable you have your yeah. medical area then you move on to you have like entertainment you have the fishing district where they like get their food then you have the housing district like all these things work in a circle and kind of make this well-oiled machine and how it works and you get to see each part and each little you know, portion of, of this city and this society and, and how it operates. And it, it makes it a very believable, realistic, um, well fleshed out environment, which is a, a really choice. It's, it's really cool. Each area tells you about the culture of rapture. Each area isn't just a level. Each area is an explanation. So like, yeah. And each area expounds on both the the plot of the two, of, of all the main characters, which we can talk about in a little bit, who I thought were very well realized. And also just expounds on just like the day-to-day life of these people, like what Rapture represents. Um, um, I can't think of a more memorable opening 10 minutes of a game when I try. Like mm-hmm. I just, you know, sitting on the plane, you know, it really sets the tone. You kind of get a feel like, okay, it's 1960 okay, this is cool. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And that first time you walk up the steps is just kind of like, Oh, what's going on? Like, okay. And I mean, obviously we knew it's an underwater city from the marketing. Like it, well, that wasn't a secret that you were going to a city underwater. And yet somehow it was still extremely memorable. The first time you take the bathosphere down, and that first view of rapture and you're just like oh just my like, gosh wow because before like, then you really couldn't imagine what that would look like and they yeah. did so good at awing you and you just like you see the sperm whale i think it's a sperm whale or you see a whale of some kind a whale and then you see like the giant sperm or otherwise the giant squid that's down there and then all of a sudden it's just like this is like manhattan underwater and then then your mind goes well how would you do this how would you do that then you see all the tubes that are going everywhere like oh okay um you know and it's just you know the minute but then like the minute you get to rapture you're like something's wrong like this something's something is wrong and um you know i remember my first playthrough thinking like man I got bamboozled. Like I figured, you know, Hey, this is going to be like a sci-fi game. You know, the tone's going to be more on, you know, like sci-fi. And then I was like, this is a horror game. Like this is terrifying. 
Yeah. It's scarier than like, I remember. Uh, I remember watching Rat stream it, and he's like, holy shit, this game's terrifying. I was like, yeah, man, this is a horror game, straight up. Like, the first half is, of this yeah. game scared the hell out of me, and I don't remember it being that scary. It was no. very, it was very like, I remember, like Like, I remember thinking, like, yeah, the stuff with the doctor, like, that's scary. But then, I, like, playing it now, it's like, man, this is terrifying. Like, it's just, just such a sense yeah. of, like, claustrophobia that there's, you never know what's going to be around the next corner. And then the first time you see a big daddy, you're just like, what is that? Like, how do I kill it? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, the design of the big daddy. It's such a good video game monster. Uh, yeah, I still have, um, such a good, I like, still have the model. I think they gave out, like, a six or seven inch model with the collector's edition for Xbox. I still have that thing. Yeah, I'm good for you, man. That, that thing, kicks Big Daddy, ass. definitely. Like, there's belongs, so few video game monsters. Yeah, that like have... top top ten, absolutely iconic. Stole the show. You you talk about Big Daddy. Everyone knows what you're talking about. You can't oh, yeah. you can't confuse him with anything else. He's such an incredible monster. I think he stands the test of time in visuals in movies too like i mean like i think he's up there with like the xenomorph with his design it's like, iconic he is the big daddy it's amazing especially like with the weird relationship with the, the big daddy and the little sisters and just what that and then how that like reflects also in like raptures like priorities like everything is in service to, to like telling like how do these people think about like how does this philosophical difference between andrew ryan and atlas and just this vision of andrew ryan and everything is in service to just like this is what happens when, like, you know, objectivism gets taken too far. When, like, liberty, you know, like, liberty, we're gonna have to talk about a little bit of politics. I try to avoid it on the podcast, but it's kind of inevitable with this. With this, I mean, I game. feel like, it's, like, when, when objectivism, you know, just avoiding personal politics, you can objectively talk about the game's politics. Yeah, of course, yeah, and just like w- what happens when, like, objectivism, ob- objective, Aunt Randy and libertarianism goes too far. And it literally breeds monsters. It literally abuses and takes control of children and breeds monsters. And like, in in that horror is reflected so well in the design, and and it, and it ruins the people. Like, I think part of the atmosphere of that horror is the design of the tw- of uh, I almost called tweakers. Them, uh, not I almost called them tweakers. I shouldn't say that um, because that's actually a critique I have of how they handle essentially drug addiction. Um, but. Uh, the the design of the uh, splicers and just like how like it's a special kind of scary because it's like it, it just it it's scary because like ah they're coming at me and they look they look terrifying but it's also scary because like they were people you know like it, it's that special kind of like scary of of like you know like this could be like anybody this these people have lives you know it's just a special kind of brand of like scariness um um yeah it it, everything looks like this world is just so incredible steve anything you wanted anything you wanted to add in that regard yeah um well like just building off what you just said there like you know it it could be anyone like I, i don't know maybe this is a we're diving into the mind of Steve here, but uh, no, I, I, I think we time, should. I think this game warrants like a well, little I, bit. I remember more... like one time, um, I was really young, I was like six or something, mm-hmm. and me and my dad were just like walking around in Toronto, I believe it was, 
And we we walked past this lady who was drunk out of her mind. <laughs> yeah. She was drunk out of her mind. But she said something like my dad, like, I should knock your face in right now. And we just, like, walked by her. But that stuck with me because that was wow. just, like, whoa. Like, I'm a, I'm a little kid. Like, that was terrifying yeah, to me. Yeah, for a kid. That's, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's kind of the horror they bring with this type of game because, like, it could be anyone. You know, that that's the type of stuff they were saying in the game. You, you know, exactly, like, yeah. You know, it, it's, it was just, like, that kind of mentality. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the game looks great. I know we're talking about visuals and stuff. Uh, the game looks great. Um, I love Rapture. It's, it's an amazing place. Um, you know, you, you talk about Underwater City, and it's just like, okay, whatever. But I think once you like really dive into the themes behind it all and everything. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it special. Um, it's a very believable place. Um, it's one of the coolest places in video games. I totally agree with that. Um, and it's definitely special. Um, I think in terms of graphics, the game looks pretty good. Um, it's got this weird style where it's like realistic, but also kind of cartoony. Yeah, in a sense, yeah, it's like um, it's like it, it has works. a very, very, very light. I don't know if you'd call it cell shaded, but like it's very. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, something which I think about helps, it that makes it, which I think helps preserve it. Absolutely. Time. Like, I, like if, yeah, yes. it makes it no, time. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Because if I think if they lean more towards realism. Um, you know, some games do that, like Call of Duty. Like, like that's one of them. You know, you play an old Call of Duty nowadays, and it's just like, well, this kind of looks a little. Yeah. Eh. Well, there's but, you um. Know, you play. We we just played Super Mario World, and we we're gushing over the graphics in that game. Um, so I I definitely think the art style works. Um, you know, like I said, it's mostly realism, but it does flesh in that little bit of uh, cell yeah, shading. I mean, I guess, it, it just we'll you know it, leads, it really um, leads into like uh, kind of like a forties and fifties noir type uh, aesthetic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But I don't know if there's really um, like obviously the architecture's Art Deco, but um, I don't know if there's like a word that would perfectly describe like the overall aesthetic of the game. Like, I think it's more apparent in like Bioshock infinite, you know, where they kind of exaggerate yeah. the features. Um, it's almost graphic novel. Yes. Yeah. Which Ooh, is, which yeah, is why it sure, can yeah. really yeah. hold up to today because it's such a unique style mm-hmm. where it doesn't exactly feel outdated because it has that comic-y cartoony sort of look. Yeah, and because mm-hmm. it's it it, and it it threads the needle so well of being realistic enough to be terrifying, but be you know abstract enough to where it exists in your imagination still. Like it, it, you know what I mean? Like, like, like things that are like kind of like what Steve was saying. Things that try really hard to be realistic. They don't like, hold up over time. Are, are they don't hold up over time? And they're just they're put up against the ped- they're put up against actual reality right. and. You know, like, and and any time you can let the the um the player or viewer or reader or whatever imagine things or like or like or fill in gaps, that's almost always more effective. I mean, you know, uh, and this game like does it so well because yeah, like everything's just a little bit more exaggerated. Everything's just which again kind of ties back into the theme, right? Like of like you know rapture is a is a is a realm of excess it's a it's a world where like everything is just a little too much and look what that does like look at what society like look at what that that does to society you know i 
you know, whether or not they were considering that when they were determining the art style or not, I don't know, but it certainly fits. Like, everything is just a little too much. It's just a little too cartoony. Like, it feels real, but not completely real. And, uh, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think the results, like, are fantastic. Um, I think the way they designed the areas with like the lighting too is amazing. Um, it definitely adds, yeah, definitely adds into the horror aspect. You know, you got the strobe lights and times and, you know, they, they know when to shut off the lights at the right parts and stuff. Um, just, just to get you in that, you know, that mood, um, you know, the city is underwater. Um, so the little lights they have, you know, it, it, it just all makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, the lighting they have in this underwater city, fits to I, you know, i've never been in an underwater city but you know oh, it just it I works, recommend it. It works. <laughs> i know oh, yeah, really? yeah. You, you know a place <laughs> um yeah i don't know totally no 100 percent. and um i want to go and we, what you were saying before about um uh both steve and zach kind of touched on this about the opening being so like visually amazing and shocking right like you know the the whole the very very famous intro to to, to bioshock um I think it's important to note that, like, that big reveal, that big, like, holy shit moment is tied to Andrew Ryan's philosophy. That voiceover, like, that voiceover explains what Rapture was. And that, and it keeps coming up of, 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 um, cause you kind of, like, Steve even kind of, like, said what Andrew Ryan wants you to think of, like, um, well, you know, I kind of, like, pictured an underwater society, but I didn't really know, like, what that would actually look like or feel like. And that's and then um, because it's like it's married so closely to Andrew Ryan's vision. Like there was no place for me, so I built one. Like nothing, like nothing. There was no there was no country for me, so I made one. And then like that same vision is like revealed to you, maybe like it was like to Andrew Ryan of just like this like incredible like revelation. What was, uh, what was Andrew's quote? People thought it would be impossible to build. Um, rapture uh, under the sea to build a city at the bottom of the sea insanity but where else could we be free from the clutching hand of the parasites where else could we build an economy that they would not try to control a society that they would not try to destroy it was not impossible to build rapture at the bottom of the sea it was impossible to build it anywhere else, but it was impossible to build it anywhere, anywhere else. else. So good. Oh man, the writing in this game is very is, good. Oh, oh we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna talk about it. so good. The, yeah, um, but yeah, the, it's just it is still the old, and 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 conversely, one of the only other places that to me feels as amazing looking and as lived in is Bioshock Infinite. Um, I don't. I have lots of negative things to you know say about this game and also infinite. I don't think they're perfect games at all. We'll get into that. But like one thing that these developers nail 2k Australia, right? 2k. I don't know. 2k something. Uh, 2k um, uh, was the publisher. Um, and I believe um, 2k Boston and Australia worked on the game specifically. Um, but the yeah. team was composed of a bunch of uh, Ken Levine's, uh, or Ken Levine, I forget which how you say it. Um, but it was comp- uh, the design team was a bunch of uh, former members from the studio um, Looking Glass Studios, um, and they had worked on um, System Shock. 
Uh, so it was like they had nice. familiarity with each other, but this was like after their the clear their studio shut down or they were bought out by 2K. I'm not sure exactly what um, what happened, but at some point, you know, um, they were <clears throat> associated with 2K. Our guy in the chair. Well done, Zach. <laughs> uh, which I'm not making fun of. No, thank you, truly, for the con- context. Um, I just love that. You are our guy. I in do the my chair. best. The guy He's so quick on the draw, too. Yeah, I know. Um, I usually um, have like fifteen or twenty yeah, tabs the, queued up, like just ready to go. Yeah, um, I won't ask what's in those tabs, but um, the uh, the yeah, the uh, they just very few other games make worlds as well as this team. Um, uh, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say about the other ones. It's just, I think this is, if you want to study world building, particularly world building in video games, but I would even argue just world building in general, um, particularly with visual design as well. There is very, I think there are very few other examples that like do it as well. Um, so, um, Okay. Can we talk about the audio of the game? We next? can totally talk about the audio. Whatever you I want, I would love baby. to talk about the whatever audio. You, whatever Steve wants can to Can I gets. say the audio in this game, everything, this might be the greatest like use of audio in a video Ooh. game I've ever played. Maybe. Okay. I won't, I won't, that's okay. I won't quote that. There. But it's everything. It's, it's the, it's the music, you know, it's mm-hmm. the 60s music that, you know, yep. they intertwine to make it feel like it's you know, oh this is the real world you know they got real life songs i'm hearing yep. oh danny boy in the background and the the ink spots or whatever they are um it's amazing i will say really quick steve i don't want to interrupt you on your tear if i had to hear i don't know if it was just my playthrough but if i had to hear that song uh mama loves mambo Mama loves mom. I heard that song so I don't know if it was just my playthrough and I just got unlucky with RNG, but I kept hearing that song like a fucking like telltale heart, like a splinter in my brain. Every room I went in was playing Mama Loves Mambo. Um I don't again, it could have just been RNG, but uh um, They just wanted you to know that Mama loves Mambo. <laughs> this is the thesis. They really of the wanted game. you to know that. that Mama loves Mambo. <laughs> Okay, Steve, go ahead. Sorry, but yes, no, everything you're saying is 100% true. It's not even that, though. It's just everything. It's the splicers talking in your ear, Mm -hmm. whispering. You know, setting the sound. It's when you're shooting your gun. It sounds like you're shooting your gun in a submarine. Um (laughs) Just with with the echoes and everything, you know, you're yeah. underwater. You're shooting a gun, and you know, you hear that like that noise of like, man, this is really loud and echoey because that's reverb. what it is. You're, at, yeah, um, it's it's everything with this game. It's you know, like I said, the, the the opening part of what makes that opening so great is the voiceover. the The voice mm-hmm. acting's amazing. Um, the music they have with it's amazing. Um, you know the the crackling in the voices and everything during with the audio logs and everything it's mm-hmm. it's incredible uh, uh, with that voice acting i mean all of the voice acting was so well done but as far as just generic npcs go i mean they nailed it and i will tell you atmospherically mm-hmm. i will never hear 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Oh my gosh! Without feeling so haunted, <laughs> crouching around the corners, and they're yeah. just they're just singing it, losing their mind, swiping around with their little crowbars or whatnot, and it's so good. Yeah. It delivers. It's mm-hmm. so well done. Yeah, and I mean, like, and none of them sing on key. It's just no, none of them can sing. It's just it's that's just, what makes it so good. It would have been great if one. Of, it would have been great if it's like all this creepy, like off key, like and then just one person's just like, like, oh, that guy can sing. Yeah, no, they didn't make it like a child's lullaby tune that's kind of in your ears. It's just like some dude who's just like, Jesus loves me. This I know. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, he's I insane. I can't let him find me. That's yeah. the other thing, like the little sisters, like oh, Mister. Oh my Bubble. god! Yes, like, it's so Bubble. it's so good. The noises the big daddies make, where they're just like. It's full of Adam, I can see the angels dancing. Time for more. Adam. You know, yeah. it's everything is so good in that. Everything is so yeah terrifying and just eerie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, little sisters. It's, it's a it's a big part of the world building. Is the of audio course. In that game. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I mean, it, so, it goes hand in hand with the visuals. And what I love about the NPCs' um, audio is that they, again, the game just always makes it clear that like you're a fucking visitor here. Like you are, you. This is not your world. Like all the NPCs, even though they're, you know, at this point in their decline of rapture, they're all out of their minds or whatever. They are existing outside of you. They are all having conversations. They are all like you are just like happening in on their like murmurings in their and their like in their in their lives and stuff i mean lives what's left of them um like you are the game never lets you feel at home i think part of that you always feel unsettled and i think part of that is just that like the people here are like ignoring you and then they're attacking you they are living their lives you know they are living what's left of like their minds lives you know what's well, left of their and, minds and essentially you are lives. you are thrown into what is basically the middle of a civil war right now and you are the outsider mm. who doesn't know the, end of the politics of the sides and you are a hostile to anybody right now like there there is so much going yeah. on behind the scenes of why rapture is what it looks like right now yeah. Um yeah, and um as Steve was saying like um the game also with both the music and the audio design um just puts you in a time and place of um you are like the the as Steve mentioned the use of um the use of like real music just like teleports you to a time. And then, yeah, the, and the sound design of the stuff, too, like, all the music is, you know, record scratching and tape and tape saturation, all this other stuff that, like, just completely immerses you in, like, a in not only a place but a time. Um, if, if if the visuals put you in a place, the, the audio puts you in a time often. And, um, yeah, and it's very effective. It's just, uh, just the atmosphere is just impeccable. The, the vibes are immaculate, as the kids say. I loved um, um, I love the use of uh, real world music uh, in the game. Um, I remember, you know, we played. Um, um, I can't think of the actual name of the song, but um, the uh, um, Mama loves Mamba, Beyond the Sea. Uh, we would play that on loop because we're just like, this is awesome. You know, like obviously, that's the perfect song to 
introduce you, you know, to like the game we, too. Uh, but I thought you know when, the, when you're the in original the lighthouse score um, was also really good. Like you could get the clear ins- influences of like 30s, 40s, and 50s music going on. Um, outside of the music, though, like just the like the the sound design itself, like is that's like what like a lot of games are gonna just be um, they're gonna live or die based off of sound design, especially a game like Bioshock where, you know, it can either pull you into the world or it can take you out so fast. Uh, and just the sound design of the, the world itself is just, it's fascinating, but it's also terrifying. Like just the, the way the yeah. game sounds when you're playing it, you're just, like it gives you that sense of, I don't know what's around the next corner. And I don't know if I want to know what's around the next corner. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just think it's a it's a master class in sound design. Building off what Zach said with like the the hectic hec, the hectic vibes. There we go. <laughs> of, of, you got of it. The game. Yeah. Um. You know when when you're in a fight with someone and you're shooting your gun and they're shooting their gun, it's just like there's all sorts of sounds. And then you got your hacked little robots like buzzing around and you know. Burr, 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 yeah. You know, like it, it's just it, it creates that hectic vibe. It also, um, you know, it makes it feel like you're in a place too. that's lived in, which a lot of uh, like a lot of things that go into like the sci fi ish realm, like they they forget that part. You know, like this is like, you know, yeah. like Blade Runner. When you watch Blade Runner, you have no doubt that 2019 Los Angeles, that's a lived in shell of a former city. Versus like watching Star Trek where everything's just so sterile and clean and it just kind of like, eh. Yeah. I thought you were about to shit on Blade Runner. I was like, that is going to be a hot fucking no. take. I thought you were going to use Blade no, Runner as the no. excuse of what not to do. And I was like, whoa. Blade Runner is probably like um, one of the most influential medias on like my life. Like, I love that. No, I'm not I'm never going to shit on that. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. One little, uh, it's not a quibble. I'm wondering if it's intentional or not. I don't know if it's a limitation of the technology at the time, which it very well may be. And, it, and I, I want to emphasize, dear baby listener, this is not a big deal. It does not affect the, the value of, of the game. I felt like the directionality, okay, not from a creepy, again, we've talked so much about the, the, the vibe and the setting and the, and the, and, you know, and the, and just how that affects you like emotionally and stuff. I felt like the, directionality of the voices was always was often fucked up on my on my, the PC version at least to where like I'm really used to in video games um particularly video games that like you know emphasize precision um of being able to use my headphones and directionality to know where enemies are and I've, I don't know if and again this is actually kind of makes it creepier because you don't really know where things are and they kind of spring up on you so maybe it was intentional but I never like I would like go to where a voice in my and again Again, I don't know how much of this is real or in my deranged head. I would go to where I think a voice would be and it wouldn't be there. And like, and then I would turn around and it would be somewhere else. Like, you know, does that, is what I'm saying making sense? Like the spatial audio seemed like the mixing of it's like, like something was like off where like something that should be on the left was on the right type deal. Kind of. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Kind of. So yeah. And, and, um, for hardcore gamers like myself who play hardcore games, like like uh, competitive 
I mean, it is a thing in competitive gaming. Obviously, this is. Not I did not that. really notice that. At least, I mean, that could. I mean, I like the PC version was notorious, and I believe you. Yeah, the PC version was also a giant steaming pile right. of shit. And, <laughs> like I had so many issues. And, and I believe, game. like you played it on PC for your latest playthrough, correct? The an- the yeah, entire time. Port yeah, it could have just um, been a bad port. So like. Well I would yeah. not be surprised if this was just something that happened because it's the PC version. Um, I don't remember any really glaring issues, but I mean, we're talking, you know, playing it on the Xbox 360 15 years ago. There was no critical bug that I can recall. I'm sure there were frame rate issues, no. but playing it on PC, I was just kind of shocked at like how bad the PC port is. Yeah, it was Console really rough. gamers for the win. Like, uh, what did you say, Steve? <laughs> what did you say? I was just gloating. No, I was gloat. just gloating being gloat a console. louder. Yeah, I, I just couldn't glo- hear I your gloat. gloating being a console gamer. Oh yeah, because I'm, I'm gloat PC games. illiterate and I don't <laughs> <laughs> gloat games. This was the first time I played it on the PS4, like the remaster, because I played it like a million times on the yeah. PS3. Yeah, um, but I was just like, I'm too lazy to hook up my PlayStation, and I, and my whole goal was like, yeah, I'm gonna get back into streaming, and I'm gonna stream Bioshock, and I could not get it to work, uh, to stream it. Um, I I struggle, but I, my biggest issue is that my setup for PC gaming, I use an ultra wide monitor, and it did not like that at all. See, I didn't have any issues getting it to run on my. I I maybe had one little snaggle like in the first twenty minutes, and then I didn't have anything going on with my pc version well q that's because your pc is basically just a tamagotchi like it's, it's just like it's a period appropriate <laughs> hardware i'm just kidding is it now i'm just kidding yeah exactly no your pc is great i'm just joking i'm just being a dick uh, but uh and then like i think a lot of it was i i played the steam version and i i, I wanted yeah, to that's right like I, I have a not like a regular widescreen monitor that i tried to get the game to play on and steam was just like yeah we're not gonna do that like this is your main display <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i also tried to play it on okay so oh by the way i got a steam deck oh look at you, look at you uh, boy. Oh. yeah i know oh, fancy I know. Well, oh i i i saw i signed up for the like the pre-order because you know they were like limited supply for a long time and i was like well like okay I, I want to get in line for it. I know it's going to take months. And then, like, two weeks later, they're like, it's up. You have a, you have a, you have a day to decide. And I was like, well, I don't want to lose my spot. Wait a minute. Did you have it when I was over last week? Yeah, man. Why? You didn't show me? Yo, sweet <laughs> fucking invite. Jesus. <laughs> what about um, that hefty bad yeah, boy? This game, this game refused to play <laughs> on the Steam Deck for whatever it's worth. Um, if any listeners are curious um okay but we were kind of talking about audio and how it affected gameplay so i think that's a good transition hold on talking about before we leave off audio i cannot not mention go ahead one of the most satisfying greatest moments in gaming maybe top 20 yeah was just before you met sander cohen and he plays the waltz of the flower while sending in the splicers Oh, yeah. It was such an emotional, amazing, slash terrifying scene that it was one of the mo- I would replay that scene two dozen times. Yeah. It was so, so flawlessly done. Just the choice of music and the way, you know, the, the, the decor, the atmosphere, the fighting for your life with the splicers coming in left and right 
on all angles. It was it was such an experience when I played that the first time, and it was that music that just like drove it home. It was so well done. It's it's one of my favorite moments. Cohen's in area, the entire game. That moment right there. Sander Cohen's yeah, area like in general was guy. so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it feels like maybe the most fleshed out, like at least the most unique eye catching. That in the place. medical pavilion feel like the two. Well, it's kind of cool. I mean, not to shit on like you know artists or whatever because I'm no, not. No, yeah, but, shit you know, on they, artists. We're only an art they, boutique. You know, they podcast. have the they have the wag, You know, they they have a certain particular mindset. Uh-huh. Uh You know that. Some people just don't have, which is me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but when you ha- when you mix that with like the whole like quote unquote drug uh, addiction, it just is like a whole side of wacky. That's just like whoa, this is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, I think there's something to be said. Like I want to paper mache people. Like whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's like saying like I mean because Ryan's whole Andrew Ryan's whole thing is like. We're gonna we're gonna take off constraints. Morality is yeah. like essentially false. Like is I mean, that's mm-hmm. him, not me, saying that. Um, and what happens if you just let the 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 the, the, the ultimate um, survival of the fittest? What happens if you take away morality, take away rules, and it, like and, and the game wants to address this is what happens to every echelon of society: the artist, the scientist. The, I mean, this is yeah. actually his. This is his actual speech. I don't know. I can't remember the exact order, but like the artist, the scientist, the um, uh, you know, the doctor. The you know, this is what happens, and it's just like this. It, I think it just illustrates that this this philosophy is poison. Like this is like it's it, it, nothing is safe from it. I think is kind of like what it's getting at, and um, and, and also it's just like an excuse for the developers to get wacky and weird, like Sander Cohen's area was. Um, I feel like there is. Oh, sound design. Okay, well, since we're going to... One other thing about sound design is the introduction when you first get the pistol, like, early on, like, uh, again, this is still be, like, the intro to the game when, like, the little... When the, the woman creepy is, lady like, with the talking baby. to her baby in a... Or the carriage. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's such a good... Con- yeah, it's such a good, like, confluence of the um, visuals and, and um, audio because you get this visual of this lady, like, stooping over her crib with these, like, huge, stark shadows... And you hear her talking to her baby in this like deranged voice. And at this point, you don't you know very little about the world. And then you realize she's been like talking to a gun. Just this deranged woman like talking to this pistol like it's her child. And it's just such like a and isn't that a beautiful picture of America and American society? Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) Really sweet baby. It really is. I love you. (laughs) Sold my baby for my Glock. I'm going to write a song called <laughs> I Sold My Baby for My Let's Glock. Let's <laughs> um, okay, um, let's talk about the gameplay. Um, so, gameplay, I think... Um, does anyone else want to open up the floor about the gameplay, or should I start rambling? Um, I mean, I guess I'll go. Uh, as far as, the, as, far yeah. as like, the gameplay goes, it's nothing special. Um. I've like even um the developers have said it needed six more months. Um they were they were in a yeah. rush um to get the game out before Halo three. Um that was one of their initiatives. That's you know, it came out weeks before Halo three. Um and they said they by their own admission were like, Yeah, it needed a little bit more polish. Um I absolutely hated the puzzles. Um, but that's usually that's like a yeah. trend with me in games. Like I hate forced puzzles because to me that's just to me it's artificial length that um I don't think you really need, honestly. 
Are you talking about yeah, the, hacking? Like I did, I the did, tubes? The fucking yeah, tubes? I did, I, that was like whatever. Um, it took a while. But like, I would was, say yeah. like you know the the rest of the game makes up for the the gameplay itself. Like, I can't think of anything unique. You know, that's like when you think of like Bioshock, like, oh, this is something that came out in Bioshock Um, because a lot of the game was lifted from System Shock 2, um, which was the previous game that um, they made. Did anyone play that? It's worth worth checking out. Um, The first game's actually, I think it's still being worked on, but they're doing a remaster of it. I'm not sure what the state of that is. Um, But if you liked Bioshock, they're worth checking out. Um, It's it's like Bioshock in space. Like it's... uh, Uh, but they're a little dated um but you know if you enjoyed bioshock you would you would probably enjoy at the very least you could take a look at like the story uh a little more rpg too isn't it a little yeah um but like the core like there's a lot of similarities like slight spoilers it's like in system shock 2 um there's a character that's a lot like atlas um i'm not going to go into more Ah. than that um if you do decide to play it um Doo-doo. yeah do do um but yeah like i think a lot of it though is like you'd be surprised at how little money was given uh in the development of bioshock like um they had a final budget of only 25 million dollars to make this game to put that into perspective for 2007 the marketing budget for halo 3 was 40 million dollars the marketing budget oh, was wow. more than the develop than the yeah. development budget. Entire the whole um, yeah. But you know, I don't think it holds the game back. Um, and I'm not saying that the gameplay itself is bad. It's just not memorable to me. Like when I think of Bioshock, I don't sure. think about beating things with the wrench. I don't think about shooting things with the guns or even using the plasmids. I just think about the atmosphere of the game and the story. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um that's really good that you bring the context of it being um like they're them not having the budget or time to really flesh out the gameplay as they wanted because um yeah, there's actually um like this game like the story behind the development of BioShock is actually really fascinating it's really fascinating because it actually had a ton of publisher interference. Yeah, I, 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 my understanding is it was a pretty harrowing development cycle for them. Um, but it, it is good to bring that into light because I did feel like the gameplay was holding this game back. Not enough to where I would say it like ruined the game or anything like that, but I definitely think it's the weakest aspect of the game. Some positives, I mean, the plasmids are fucking cool. They feel, I thought the plasmids felt great. That's obviously where it stands out. Um, I think this game did plasmids better than infinite and I, and, and I want to say two as well. My memory of two is very fuzzy. I don't know. If I, I don't know. It's very similar. Yeah. I mean, it plays a, like a big daddy if I remember correctly. Um, but, uh, I mean the, the first person shooter mechanics felt fine, I guess. Like I'm not an expert on the genre. It really, like they felt fine. They were a little, I mean, they felt pretty simple. Like they felt like, you know. Like we do, we don't want this. We don't want the first person shooter mechanics to get in the way, so we're going to make them very accessible, um, which is fine. Like I, again, I'm I'm okay if a game wants to tell us. And again, I played it on normal difficulty, so can't speak to everything as far as you save states. 
Yeah, the whole time. I I went, I spent <laughs> dozens of hours to get save states for a game that, okay, thank you for, that's going to springboard me to my next point, doesn't fucking need, need save states because death means nothing in this game. That was my biggest complaint with the gameplay is that um, there's no consequence for dying, um, which I'm fine if a game... It's like they wanted you to feel like something mattered because you were losing money, but then nothing happened, to my knowledge, if you lose all of your money. And so every time you die, you go back to like like a, a five-second walk from where you just were. Your progress is all the same. The enemies, are, the enemies' health has not changed. You just walk back and pick up where you left off. And so, I mean, I'm not a glutton for punishment. I like a lot of very easy games. Like I also like difficult games. You know, I'm not like a get good fucking like, you know, if it's not hard, it's not worth playing. But I, I just feel like they could have come up come, the the the, the uh, what were the um what were they called? The uh, what's it? The, the Vita um, Chambers. The Vita Chambers. Yeah. I just feel like they could have like done something to make it to where dying felt more had had greater stakes. I love the in-game explanation for why you're the only one who's allowed to use them. Again, narratively, no issues there really cool like really cool device um again everything is in service to the to the to the narrative and to the world um so that that's great but mechanically i just like it just turned fights into not being this exciting back and forth or this like scary or scary but just like a slog like oh all right i'm gonna fight a big daddy sometimes i would kill a big daddy without dying it's like oh i died okay well let's walk back (laughs) just go back to going back to to the king of all games, Elden Ring, Bioshock can be uh-huh. as easy or as difficult as you want it to be. Vita chambers are an option. Okay, what do you mean? I'm just saying. Are an option? You can can you turn them off? I'm just saying. <gasps> no fucking way. No fucking way. You can turn off Vita chambers. What happens if you turn them off? Are they just permadeath? Because that's way too hard. <laughs> you go to your last save. I did not realize that. Did did anyone play that way? I or, did because I had to to get some of my achievements. Oh. I did not realize that. Okay. Well, then you're back to safes coming because saving safes is not coming. unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm back to now I'm back home, baby. Oh, um <laughs> So I I will I will say this as far as combat, maybe it it felt okay enough. Everything felt good enough. But I will say one thing that they did so well was how they married the two systems of a shooter with RPG elements in the Mm -hmm. upgrades and the plasmids that you can put together and mix match. I think that creates so many different play styles of playing the game where – the plasmids are so unique and so well made that you could essentially play every single playthrough completely different with, with a mix match of plasmids and how you design like how you yeah. you could be a hacker you could be you know somebody who freezes or shocks and uses your wrench you could use big daddy for the majority of it you could you know just use the the fire which was super op and just melt everything like the they really, really, really did a good job 
with the way you can upgrade your abilities to make it unique experience as far as fighting style goes for how you approach the game. Whether or not that was, you know, the guns super mediocre as far as, you know, aiming, shooting, recoil, all that stuff goes, but combat wise, they did do a really good job at giving you the options to create a unique experience many, many times. I will give them that. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I, the plasmid system definitely seems to be the, the crowning jewel gameplay wise. Um, honestly, we could have just done without the guns and just made it all about splicing. Um, I mean, I'll never get sick of watching this guy just jam a used syringe into his arm over and over and over again as I like just like use plasmid after plasmid. Um, uh, so, but yeah, and also as Zach mentioned, the hacking sucks. The tube game. The fucking like 1998 screensaver <laughs> like uh, Windows game that you have to play like over and over and over again. I guess you could. I I don't know if just my strat. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you like. I'm sure you can get by with like hacking very little, but I was hacking constantly, and every time I would just scream the fucking tubes. Yeah, I, like I just I got, hacked everything I possibly could always, and it was actually really fun for the first first quarter of the game at mm-hmm. at most and then it was extremely tedious what they really really could have done is progressed the hacking system as you progress through the game they could have like basically everything you got at the first hack yeah. was what that you had at the last hack and that is where it was just it just became tedious like at by the end of my playthrough i didn't even need any of the upgrades to help me with hacking i just knew the system i knew the formula how it worked you just boom 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 repetitive boring super not very fun when you're on your 857th hack of your playthrough yeah here was the here was the dynamic i ran into so i did not find the combat that challenging because i mean i guess i didn't know about the fact that you could turn them off but death meant nothing um death is only the beginning and um and I hated hacking so much that I never bought ammo. Like I'll fucking beat a I'll beat a large father with my wrench, um, or big daddy with my wrench, um, if I have to, and have no guns. But I will buy every auto hack I can because I do not want to deal with hacking anymore. Um, so yeah, but Zach's point about it being like essentially unfinished to the extent that they wanted. Like who knows what they could have done. With hacking, I'm trying to remember. Well, what they fixed it in two. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. What, oh, that's exactly what I was, I was saying. There was, was like a little meter, and you had to stop it in the green, and that was it. That sounds much better. Like, yeah, there was like a green little window you had to like, and yeah, then the needle would better. go back and forth like a windshield wiper, and you'd have to stop it in the like the green little window, and then that was it. I think, if I remember correctly, um, I do agree. The hacking was was way too long. Um, it is tedious and everything. It, like like Rat said, it's fun. The first I mean, place. it was a really really fun, good, unique idea, but it needed to be improvised throughout the playthrough or less prominent because then it, it was just so tedious. Well, like you said too, yeah. you eventually just like you get used to like a system of doing it, and it's just like all right, it's, it doesn't even get become hard. It, it like the hardest hacks are still just like it's whatever, just annoying. you know, 
Yeah, and then like even if you screw it up, they take like a little bit of damage, and then like like Figgy said, like damage doesn't even really matter because if you die, well, get this. I learned that the shock damage from failing a hack will never kill you. So I would be on hacks, especially for some of the um. (laughs) What were the what were the challenge missions that were on the the um special edition um where you had to like save uh the little girls. Like save, what, what protect were, the little yeah. What were the little stuff? anyway? The little sister missions. There were some of them where you had to hack and stuff, and you couldn't have any upgrades. And I realized at zero health or one HP, I could keep hacking this machine, and it would keep shocking me, and I wouldn't die. So I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, fuck yeah, I'm gonna get through this." So you know, six or seven hacks in a row, boom, <laughs> got it, nailed it, <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> and it um... um, go ahead, Steve. Well, I was just gonna say like. Yeah, like I'll talk about a little bit the gameplay. Like I agree, like the gunplay is not anything special. It's actually kind of bad in a way. I do yeah. like the upgrading system with the guns, though. Like, oh, you you got to find the people. Power to the people. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's it's whatever. I will say the gunplay in this is better than it is in Infinite. I hated the way they did it in Infinite. Um, I I liked the weapon wheel. I like having your gun yeah. and keeping your gun the entire game and upgrading your gun. Um, yeah. I will say the, uh, like, building off what Rat said with, like, the RPG elements. Um, but the, um, like, it, it is cool. The, the plasmid upgrades and everything, that's definitely what stands out most about the game in terms of gameplay. Um, totally. I, I feel like, you know how God of War kind of, like, forced rpg elements into the game and it didn't work like this yep. i feel like the exact opposite it did work it and thrived it made off the of game, the rpg yeah it made the game more fun you know upgrading your your plasmids and your uh your perks and your guns and everything it felt right um unlike god of war where it's just kind of like eh, you, your armor is yeah. weird to upgrade but you know whatever um but yeah no totally yeah this game thrives off of the rpg mechanics it's what makes the gameplay mm-hmm. fun if you take away the plasmids yeah. the gunplay is lame and if you don't if you take away the variety that the rpg system kind of brings into the plasmids they become stale too so the plasmids mm-hmm. were well done i think they were better done in this game than i remember them being in infinite and i don't recall much about them in bioshock 2 but um i think in infinite if i remember correctly they weren't much different no they weren't different from they just, my experience i think i think honestly what it is is i remember their existence in infinite being a lot more like ham-fisted in um i mean they explain it um with like the splitting dimensions yeah that's stuff. another cool thing about the game i guess we could talk about it even like the plasmids like oh yeah Every, i can see like yeah i can see this having a use in real life like oh you want to light a, your cigarette here just use incinerate and just snap your fingers and there's a little flame and you can light your own cigarette and you're you're good to go look how convenient it is in plasma in uh in rapture uh yeah again the world building's insane everything about everything every little thing is just kind of like how we talked about in god of war about every single thing being in service to the um kind of character building of these two characters and the story there this one's everything is in service to the world building and everything is Mm -hmm. just like including like every mechanic um it's great that part that aspect of it is good even if the mechanics themselves are kind of lackluster um Mm -hmm. so speaking of which uh 
any other things to say about the mechanics before we barrel down into the story and kind of narrative and kind of that whole? We're not talking about bugs yet, right? Sorry? We're not talking about like PC bugs, bugs yet. Oh, as those kinds of bugs. No, no, no. I think about like the bees. The bees. I think about like the bees plasmid. <laughs> no, I was like, you can if that one in particular. I mean, that was one of my favorites. I guess we can talk about our favorite plasmids if you want. Um, I, I have nothing to say about bugs. So I mean, I yeah, no, they like... sucked. I mean, like. I mean, it, it was just the launcher. Like, it just refused to work with my resolution. And then I realized I wasn't doing the remastered version, which worked better. But the um, the regular version, just like, it just like, refused. It was like, it's like, I don't know what 1440p is, dude. You're going to have to fucking play it in like half, like yeah. in 720 or I'm leaving, is what the game basically said. Um, yeah, so, I, had to, I, mean, I had to play it in like 1080p windowed mode in order yeah. to get it to work. Um, it just did not like ultra wide and it really did not like whenever I tried to stream it, it was just like, nope, we're not doing that. Um, my stream software hated trying to get it to render right. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to play this real quick and we're not going to stream it. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't even trying to do ultra wide. I was still doing like 16 by nine, just, you know, a little bit of higher numbers than they knew about in 2007. And it freaked the fuck out and was like what the fuck is this i had to do this? this super complicated thing i had to turn my ps4 on and put the disc in <laughs> okay you okay okay i just really didn't want to hook up my playstation <laughs> yeah i just had all the modern convenience of a modern pc doing everything all at once okay okay we get it you're a console gamer you're better than I'm all a console of us. gamer i'm better that's, that's right fact that's the one out of that's right very few times I could say you I'm get a all your gamer, video games on vinyl. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but yeah, no, the bugs sucked. Um, I, I, it's not fair. I feel like to judge a twenty, a seventeen. Well, that's year old the thing game. too. It, it wasn't meant for PC. It came out on the three. I don't know if what I came across you know, was a PC issue. I have some gripes. Okay, I had oh, some. Okay. I had some right. things Uh-oh. that made me seriously question. That made me seriously question about continuing with my playthrough. Royce Castle uh, and 2? getting some. Wow, I, didn't it was, I had some infuriating moments that were that were deep core mechanics okay. that were broken in the game that I came across, and they were very frustrating. I took uh, a day and a half to breathe because I thought I quit, and then I was like, you know what? We're gonna suck it up. We're gonna do it again, and we got this. So the first one. And it's not a it's not an exhaustive exhaustive list. So the first one was, you know, I was I probably I think I beat the game. I played through it a lot because I was just really enjoying it. I was going at it over and over um in you know the couple weeks that since I since we started playing this game and I was on maybe my fourth or fifth playthrough. And I decided, now, Zach, you actually inspired me. Wait, you played this game four times in a month? Yeah, this dude has a problem. <laughs> Holy I had, shit. I had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, I'll tell you my experience here okay. real quick before you go on your tangent. I streamed this game about three times. I was so bad at it that I stopped <laughs> playing it. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, we have the tale of two gamers yeah. over here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, after you know several playthroughs, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take one from Zach's book and I'm gonna platinum this game. 
because I didn't know that was a you thing. Just, until you learned what that word meant on pod. I did not know <laughs> that that was a thing until we played Elden Ring, and Zach was like, ah, I platinum. I was like, what the hell is that? He's like, well, I did everything that you is, could do. Okay. I did sidebar, not know that was a I, thing. That's a thing? Let's go. Can I just sidebar real quick? Rat is such a strange combination of being an incredible he's like a beautiful mind like he's an actual like, <laughs> oh like he's like such a a a, 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 a he is a, a genius at games in some degree but then he also knows absolutely nothing about his hobby in other degrees like he learned on podcast what platinuming it meant like and i was like it's true that's like a it's very true. Like, i know nothing but but then like he can like tell you all like the different like pixels of like a valorant and like how Listen, like i only know exactly what i right experienced okay and, and if i didn't know it was a thing i didn't yeah, know it I was guess. a thing so anyway okay, after go on. several times of playing through the game i was like you know what i'm actually going to try to get the achievements so I was like, okay, I'm going hard. I'm working on, you know, I got the historian that's like find every single audio tape, every book, every whatever. And I I think maybe my fifth playthrough, I was like, okay, I need to beat the game on hard mode. Fifth. <laughs> I need to beat the game on hard mode without using a Vita chamber. So I was like, okay, what easy. What's this fucking mind? So I go, I go through the game. Um, No, this is just before that. Okay, sorry. Let me backtrack. <laughs> How long did it take you to do each play? A few through? hours. Like, roughly. Probably by the end of it. Like, eight? No. no probably, oh, like, six really? to eight hours by the end of it. Rat, I need you to look <sighs> me in the eyes and tell me you're not lying, that you beat this game five times in a month. I played 52 hours in the Discord hours look, two Barrel weeks. down the camera. Look in the camera, Rat. Look, look in the at camera. whatever 52 hours in like two you weeks can't look in, and a couple days. You can't look at the camera. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Look, but then I'm not looking okay, at yes, you. Look at the camera. Real. No, that's real. I'm looking in your eyes right now. Oh, Poppy. Okay. There's a glare. Anyway, the glasses off. Tell me. Th- Listen. <laughs> no, you didn't say it. Just you can't. check the logs, lying. bro. Check the last time I played it. Anyway. You're fucking lying. You did not beat this game five times. No. Zach's Listen, it, the I'll, let, the I'll let the bug experts check me on this because I have a bug that can probably testify to this. So anyway, during one of the end of my – this is probably playthrough four – I came across. It was shutting a it down because bug. it was trying okay. to save you. Well, at the end, okay. At <laughs> the end, like this man's gone too you're far. in the living district. What area is that? Where where all the hotels are? You should know. You beat it five I times. No, I, I don't remember things. I just do things. Arcadia. Are you talking <laughs> sure, about Arcadia? Arcadia? Okay. Or or the or the or the uh, asbestos so this apartments or was, whatever. This was infuriating, but not too bad. Um. I started using for the first time control Big Daddy to throw him, you know, make him on my side to fight people, right? Yeah. Okay. Get the large well, father. I learned involved. basically by the time you hit Arcadia is when the game sort of development turns to shit and there's a lot of bugs and not great things because it was, I don't think they put enough time in the second half of the game or third half. Okay. Third half, yep. That's how halves work. So Big Daddy gets caught on a lot of items. He gets caught on everything, and he'll just be standing at, like, a shirt on the ground running forward and not moving. (laughs) So, like, I mean, that Big Daddy's lost. You can't unstick him. You can't get him out of that. He's done. So I had an issue where I got to the end of one area in Arcadia, and Big Daddy got caught inside of a Vita Chamber entrance. So I died. Oh, no, really? 
and I respawn <laughs> at the Sweeta chamber, and Big Daddy is currently spooning of Big Daddy forever until the day that existence is done. Big Daddy is charging toward the entrance of this Vita chamber, so I can't leave. So I'm like, oh my god, I have no choice but I'm out of ammo. I'm out of plasmids, so I have to hit him with my wrench. I can hit him twice before he kills me. Before he kills you. <laughs> so this was about 45 minutes of respawning. Smack, smack, die. Smack, smack, die. Smack, smack, die. Smack, smack, die. Until Big Daddy was dead. Oh, Lord. It was infuriating. So that was a minor bug. It was, it was annoying. I could not – for the late half of the game, Big Daddy was useless. You could not control him. Uh, he would just get Did stuck you just, on things. Why didn't you just spawn to an earlier save? Because – Dude, you that don't want to see coming. my save profile. It, better than it, that. it was all over the place, man. <laughs> it was, I usually use two saves. I use two saves plus the auto save. So I don't go beyond anything with that. Some of those saves are like way back, way back when. Um, anyway, uh, so where I really was about to quit the game was after that. Okay, I beat it. Cool. I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to try to get the ultimate, like all the achievements. So uh-huh. I have to beat the game in hard mode. Okay. Um without using a Vita chamber. Go through the game, easy peasy, no problem, no sweat, done. Beat it. Now I have to beat okay. the game to get uh which one was it? I chose the impossible. Beat the game on survivor difficulty without using a Vita chamber. I get all the way – this is in one sitting. I leave – like I'm done with work. I go home. I no. sit down. I start playing. By about 9 o'clock, I reach the end of the game, and I'm at the Big Daddy area where you have to turn into Big Daddy. And uh-huh. I run into a bug where I cannot pick up the items necessary to become Big Daddy. That was a mercy, dude. The game was Listen, trying to save you. Like, that's... Apparently, the way it works is when you start a new game plus, it does not reset your hidden inventory. So sometimes you can pick up oh. more items than you need to After use. After all this rambling, there's an actual issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen. So basically, after I think this was my sixth playthrough, I'm going through it for the sixth time. It's five or six. I think it was six. Uh-huh. I get to the end of the game, and I cannot pick up. Basically, it's like you need to go grab some some odor, some scents, like uh, some perfume uh-huh. for Big Daddy. Yeah, perfume. And yeah. none of it, Oday, Oday Big none Daddy. Of it is a grabbable object because it says I already have them in my inventory. So I cannot complete – I cannot check off the objective that says you picked up these objects. So after much frustration – and looking at even ways of getting around this with going into, like, the bios of the game and just hacking it to go to the no. next level, I was like, you know, it's not worth it. So I took a day and a half, and I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna get this achievement. So I had to start a new game, not a new game plus. No, this not. is a brand new game Holy without all my shit. experience, plasmids, and oh guns on survival difficulty without using you a Vita help, chamber. Man. And I had to beat that whole game with a brand new, brand new account, and it was not easy. I avoided every single big daddy. Yeah, no fucking shit. 
that I could. Holy fucking shit, dude. You I got to, by this is an intervention. on bare minimum plasmids and what I needed just to get to the end of this game. And I beat it first playthrough. Got the I chose the impossible achievement because of this bug, which almost made me lose my absolute mind. It was infuriating. I was so mad when I realized five is the max you can you can new play plus before the game would just break because you couldn't pick up the necessary components to finish it. <sighs> but I'll tell you what, buddy. I platinum so that I, bad boy. I, I got all what is it, sixty-five out of sixty-five achievements. Let's go. <laughs> so behind the scenes, when you were saying you were conflicted about this game, I thought you were like, oh, you know, the art direction or the story or the gameplay. I didn't realize you meant you were conflicted because, like, you liked the game, but it fucking ruined your Dude. life and put you in shambles <laughs> because you, like, gave up your entire existence to this to this game. So, dear baby listener, if you're listening to this, this is a cautionary tale. Don't binge... <laughs> Bioshock eight times in a month. Otherwise, you might hit a bug. I'm not gonna let that distract from the game. The game was so fun, but I will also say one more thing. One more thing. The game because I was so streamlined at the process of beating this game. Like I did it so many times, so quick. I was just going, 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 going over and over and over again. It is the absolute worst game to speed run. There are so many roadblocks that force you to just sit and wait and listen and my body is shaking and rearing to go and I have to wait 10 minutes before I can blast out the next episode <laughs> it was infuriating okay yeah okay um jeez I, I just feel like I've I don't know I just after listening to rats like tribulations I just feel like I just like every episode Right. Every, every Listen, ep- I went too deep, I this, I'll admit, okay? I went too far, I think the too sub, deep. No, oh, hold on. I, I think the subtext of this podcast is the slow descent into madness <laughs> of Quinta, of Q and Rap Raid. Like, every episode just reveals a little bit For more. the world to see. Yeah, just like, a, the paint just They beat out of war with his hands. Yeah, he got out of war with his hands. The conspiracy Mario theory. The Roy Castle, like, just, yeah, that too. Yeah. Every little thing is just the paint chipping away piece by piece as, as we, like, as Rat, like, he's gonna have a psychotic break one episode. Um, anywho, um, I'm trying to think what game would be uh, to be the tipping point. It should be something like super mild, like a Winnie the no, Pooh game. No, it would be Cuphead. I will be, like, never something... play Cuphead. Never, ever, 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 Cuphead? ever. I know I'm going to lose my absolute mind, and I won't play it. I love That's Cuphead. That's my game. I, maybe uh, Sonic, too. I might lose my mind at Sonic. <laughs> Sonic? Sonic's not even Sonic hard. is I mean, it's broken good, and like... bad and horribly optimized and so many bugs. Are we are we talking like 3D Sonic? Or are we talking yeah, Sonic no, we're talking newer 3D Sonics, not the old school. Oh yeah, yeah, no, like 3D Sonic is it. nightmare fuel. Yeah, it's pretty fucking weird. I do love that Big the Cat though. I probably shouldn't have said that because Sonic fans are insane. Sonic fans don't cancel us. I do like some 3D Sonic. Sonic fans know what Sonic that. is. Okay, oh, give yeah. them credit. They know what they're getting into. Go into it. <laughs> Yeah, but they don't. They don't like it when you, when you were like, "Hey, Sonic's bad." Like we know, motherfucker. They don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it good. Is it bad? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, one other thing. Oh, gosh, we're going on so long. I'm gonna make just say one sentence. 
because it's literally a complaint we've had again about like three games now. This game needs more enemy variety, particularly with the bosses. I was very disappointed that you would get this huge buildup about this like iconic character of this iconic figure in yeah, Rapture. That's a good point. And st- and they they would just end up being a, a a regular guy with a gun, a regular boss with a bigger with yeah. a bigger health bar. Like Steinman is just a grenade splicer with a health bigger health bar. Cohen is just a, uh, a a teleporting splicer with a bigger health bar. They need a, they need actual bosses. And then the one boss that was an actual boss, which is Atlas at the end, is the most video gamey bullshit boss of all time. So the boss design yeah. was atrocious. Um, yeah, he was the worst. And like if you look like at a lot of Doctor Manhattan that dollar they store Doctor Manhattan bullshit, like it was mm-hmm. just yeah. <laughs> no, it's just it's the statue of Atlas that's outside the GE building in New York. Well, yeah, okay, well that much. makes it cooler. Um, I didn't realize that. And but. you know, he was he was definitely pretty lame. Um, and if you look at you know a lot of the enemies that they they took out of the game from earlier developments, they could have they definitely could have had some variety, but you know they had. I guess a very specific art direction. It could just come down to, to time it. and money um, too, like Zach was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, although I remember, I, I remember that being a problem in Infinite as well. If if memory serves, like there's just they just need more variety. Oh no, I I do remember reading something once upon a time where um, Ken Levine was just like, yeah, the the final boss in Bioshock was not what I had in mind. Yeah. You know, but I don't know that he elaborated any further other than like, yeah, it was kind of shitty. So let's talk about the story. Uh, Let's (laughs) after rats and like tantalizing fucking saga. Let's go ahead and um, talk about the story. Cause I feel like there's, um, so how do we feel um, about, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and start us off. So I love the tape recordings, or the, I guess they're tape, the not vinyl, but tape recordings are great. Um, I do love the idea that everyone in Rapture is just walking around with like fifty tape recorders, like just hanging off their body, and they're just like recording the most <laughs> mundane shit. Like, like I, I, you, you would find tape. It's again, if you don't think about it, it's wonderful because it just inserts you into the slice of life of Rapture of just like, oh, the plumbing is is bad and. <laughs> Like there's like literally tape recordings about this. Like a plumber is like fixing the plumbing, and it brings up a great point. Like how does plumbing work underwater? That aspect of it's great, but then you also have to picture a plumber like walking around with a tape recorder, like <laughs> plumber log, <laughs> like like eighty three. <laughs> like, <laughs> the plumbing in this bathroom is terrible because it's underwater. Like Listen, it's a man, charismatic plumber voice acting to perfection under the sea. What'd you say? Sorry, you have to document everything when you live this far below the ocean. You have to document. It I all, suppose. Okay, give him give him credit for I that. I guess, but it's just like this inc- incredibly charismatic voice acted plumber, like <laughs> like chronicling a toilet clog because the water was messed up. Um, but if you don't think about the realism and you just take it for what it is, which is just this like really smooth, integrated um, way to kind of intru- to further the world and the story of rapture it's very very cool very very good and it also does a great job because it tells the story without ever slowing down the pace you can be gunning down splicers like like boom 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 like having like like everything's going like just going at 100 miles an hour still learning about the world like they never really have to stop your action which is it was a really nice solve i feel like it's something we've seen a lot lately i don't know that was a great design choice is able 
you're able to listen to the logs while you're playing. Exactly. Still, just in the background. You don't have to go to a separate menu and hit play and then just sit there for a minute or two and then continue playing. Um, you could just have it on in the background, which is perfect. Yeah. Because it made they, like there's literally no reason not to play every log you, you picked up. Exactly. Unless unless you just don't want to hear people talk. Yeah, or unless something. it's your eighth know. playthrough and you're like on and you're and you're <laughs> yeah, you memorize so mad heart. about the that big daddy glitch that you're like yeah, um, but uh, um, and uh, the, and and they were well executed. The writing is so great for both the um lesser characters and the main characters. There's all these wonderful character foils to each other, like the Suchong and the Tenenbaum just representing the two sides of science of using it for where the ends justify the means versus like using it for the moral good. Um, you know, Atlas and Ryan obviously being the two, like Ryan being the ultimate, um, you know, right wing, like libertarian capitalist laissez-faire philosophy. And then like Atlas using the antithesis of like a populist movement to get to garner his power. It does kind of like criticize both ends, both extremes, I should say, of like the politics without ever actually like landing on a point of like, it's like scared to like pick a side kind of, but it does a great job of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. But it does a really great job of like portraying these two, like extremes in a way where both sides just seem so charismatic and so interesting. And like both Atlas and um, Ryan, you're like, I could see why people would follow these people. Like I, like they, they both like make their arguments so well and they're both so charismatic and they're both so well-written or well-spoken, you know, in the context of the game. Like I could see how these people could be leaders of men because they're both like just so engaging and, yeah, and um, and 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 just so well voice acted. Uh, I'm probably gonna play a few for the audio aspects of this game. I'm probably gonna play a few choice lines by Andrew Ryan or Atlas, and just like to showcase the voice acting because I feel like that gets, um, I feel like that is the driving, like aspect of the game is, the visual storytelling is all like environmental in the world, and then the audio storytelling is just this, inc- this, this these audio logs that just, just serve every purpose of like the most mundane aspects of rapture all the way up to these, you know, kind of like higher echelon, like philosophical musings of like this, this, like, you know, this city world leader and this all like in this, like in this populist uprising leader. I I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of getting lost in the sauce here, but I could listen to Andrew Ryan on cassette all day. Yeah. His, his voice and his acting was so good. Go ahead. Did any of you pick up on um, Andrew Ryan's name? Yeah, it's Ayn An- Rand. There's a there's an anagram in it. Yeah, it's Ayn Rand. It's sorry. Yeah, it's we What's are. That? It's we are Ayn Rand. Oh, I didn't pick up on the we are. That's yeah. The hell is that? <laughs> Ayn Rand wrote Atlas Shrugged, which is like the premier. It's what this oh, game is. Ba- it is. It is literally okay. what this game is based on. Of like. Yeah. If you take, okay. Um. Don't read it. It sucks. Yeah. It's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but like, it's just it's wild. Like, um, like other than the fact that you know, there's there's the elements of like, hey, we got a city underwater. We've got things that don't actually exist. Um, a lot of the key plot points and influences are from like real life things. Like one of the major influences on Andrew Ryan's character was John D. Rockefeller Jr. Um, Ken Levine was heavily inspired by, um, Rockefeller's life story. Like this was a dude that, um, 
during the height of the Great Depression, um, when they were making Rockefeller Rockefeller Center, um, his financiers pulled out and they had no money, and he was just like, "I'll I'll build it." Yeah, you know, during the height of the Great Depression, this dude had so much money that he was just like, "I don't care. Here's money. Finish it." Nice. Well, not nice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, nice. <laughs> like Andrew Ryan is um, like Andrew Ryan's story is based on Rockefeller, and then his name is the anagram of Anne Rand. Um, there's a lot of influence from George Orwell, Aldous Huxley. Um, 1984 is a big influence on the game. So is um, Logan's Run. The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, you are the Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, you're the you play as the Manchurian Candidate. Um, like it's just it's like a combination of all these uh, different influences that just and it pulls it off spectacularly, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. No, totally. I. I. The the game is clearly in a conversation with like so many other things that came before it, both philosophically, literarily, literarily. You got it. Um. And I think I think it has like some interesting things to say. Um so Okay, hold on. Any other thoughts about the story? Because there's one thing I want to touch on specifically, but it's gonna be a whole little rabbit trail. So I want to make sure that from like a broad perspective, um, how do we feel like the story worked, the narrative worked, the back and forth worked? I think so I think the the game design and the story were all it was it was almost flawlessly integrated as far as as far as the world of rapture there is almost no aspect of any nook or cranny you could explore without having a purpose everything had a purpose that you that you looked at from audio logs to visual aesthetics to uh you know the items you're finding on the ground, everything had a purpose and it, 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 it added to the narrative of the world, which I think is a huge, huge, amazing credit to the game for how much attention to yeah. detail that they put in there. There was, there was one moment where, uh, that I thought particularly incredible was, okay. So you're at Cohen's, uh, Cohen's place. Um, the, the entertainment district, mm-hmm. which is, you know, probably one of the most, like one of the most enjoyable areas. It's really fleshed out. You're walking around and you see a poster on the wall and it is for a performance of Moira and Patrick for a theater performance. Moira and Patrick is the wife and son of atlas oh my gosh holy shit so it comes to infer that atlas is coming up with these characters for his fake life story oh my gosh hey my wife moira and my son patrick yeah i didn't even think of that we need to save them because he saw their posters for a performance in the theater every little aspect of this game is so integral to the story. Yeah, totally. Um, no, the I didn't realize that about the the details about Moira and Patrick. That's amazing. That's so good. I ain't either. I That's ain't a great either, little yeah. Easter egg. Um, no, yeah. So the world again, anything that has to do with the world building and the overarching plot, I feel like is handled really well. Um, so my 
I don't know if I want to call them qualms. So, okay. It is my opinion that video games are uniquely able to handle questions of morality and to handle questions of choice and better than almost any other medium. Um, and this is one of the games that was like, I, I don't, I'm sure it was not first, but was like prominent in doing that. Like this game is really, really concerned with um, you, the player's mor- morality and you, the player's like inter- like relationship with choice. Right. So I'm, I'm getting past the overarching narrative and I'm really getting to two, uh, two aspects of this game that are like, you know, very memorable. Um, and I think what a lot of people think of when they think of this game, uh, which is the little sisters and big, the little sisters and the big, huge fucking twist. The, you know, uh, 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 a man chooses a slave obese. Um, <clears throat> so this game wants to kind of like challenge you, the player with a moral choice of like, do you save the little sisters or do you, or do you kill them? And I just feel like, this game was again like it's early ish. I mean, not really. Uh, I'm sure other games, other games since Bioshock have handled moral choice much much better. Um, I'm sure there are games before it that probably did as well. Um, but the um, the game is trying to like make you. Are you going to be a utilitarian, lack of morals person like Andrew Ryan, or are you going to? rise above it and be moral and take us and take a hit to your inventory of Adam in order to save the little sisters. And to me, I feel like this game like just clunkily handles this like really good question of morality that it ha- was like poised to like ask um, by forcing you to make such a dumb decision of like, do you literally murder this little girl for more points or do you save the little girl? And um, it really annoys me that the game tries to set that up as some kind of compelling choice because it just isn't. Like, it's just, it's too cartoonishly evil and binary to, like, be, like, a very, like, interesting or compelling choice to make. Like, ob- I-, I don't know. Maybe there's people who kill the little sisters. But, like, it just seems, like, so obvious that you're going to save the little sisters. And then the game doesn't even, like, penalize you for it. The game, like... The game gives you just as much, if not, I think it actually ends up being more Adam if you save the little sisters. And so I don't, the game kind of like presents this like, this moral choice to the player that it ultimately doesn't deliver on. Um, because this game is so clearly setting up these like different ideologies between Tenenbaum and Shu and Chong and Ryan and Andrew Ryan and um, Atlas. And it just, it could have been so great with these quite these like these moral questions and i feel like it falls flat and um other games do it better in the future again i will always shout out undertale which i think actually handles moral choice you know a lot more deftly than this game does um but the game like tries to be all like edgy and like philosophical and, and and tries to like make you think like are you a monster too are you gonna do the right thing when the right thing is such a clearly easy choice to make it kind of like robs it of this like actually difficult moral choice and then the other thing in kind of a similar vein ish the game has a lot to say about player choice but really only has a lot to say about player choice in one moment in one giant plot twist that is like that is this game is like inextricably associated with, which is of course like 
once you actually get to meet Andrew Ryan, you get this huge plot twist that you've actually been under, as Zach pointed out, Manchurian Candidate style, under the mind control of Atlas this whole time. And it's a huge reveal on Atlas is actually Fontaine. And, um, uh, and so you find out like, and the, you know, and the, and the big takeaway line that Andrew Ryan says is he's forcing you as Andrew Ryan is forcing you to kill him. Andrew Ryan is, you know, a, a, a man chooses a slave obeys implying that, uh, you know, you, the player, are in, in, in such and kind of like in this same kind of like dichotomy of like you are being told what to do throughout the whole game and you are just doing it. You're being told to be violent through this whole game and you're just doing it. And you are similarly to have like a lack of choice. Um, and so, I, again, I feel like the game poises itself to do something significant here, which is like. If at that point in the game, if you could start playing the game differently, um, but up until that point in the game, you're essentially a murder hobo who's murdering essentially, um, you know, psychologically unwell drug addicts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, grant, granted, they are all violent and they will all attack you first, but you're essentially just just going to town on this like not this, these people that are just not in their right mind. And if you think about it, it's fucked up. Right. And so the, if I think of a game, I think if the, maybe again, this would be a huge developmental undertaking. So maybe not necessarily um, feasible, but after the point where the game reveals that you've been acting under like the influence of Atlas, they should have either a changed the gameplay to where you don't have to like kill everything around you or B at the very least made it very, very clear that, the pe- the people that you're harming are I don't know maybe explicitly in the service of Atlas or something or I don't know more morally evil. But instead, what this game does is it's like, ooh, aren't you like so bad for for like following this game's directive the whole time? Aren't you yourself not exercising your free will by doing all these horrible things? And then you're like, oh man, wow, huge twist. Yes, wow, holy shit. And then I'm going to go keep doing it. <laughs> and then you go out and you just keep like doing the same thing you've been doing this whole time, which kind of like undermines what this game has to say about choice. Um, I just realized I've been ranting for a very long time. Um, so I will open up the floor if anybody has anything to say about that. And this was also kind of mentioned in, there's a very famous article about quote unquote, Ludo narrative dissonance by Clint Hawking. Um, which I don't entirely disagree with. Um, um, he argues that the Randian approach is like established, is like presented as like the proper choice. I disagree. I think the game presents the Randian approach, the, the libertarian, super utilitarian approach as being morally wrong the whole time, as evidenced by the world around it being in shambles. Um, but he does, he is one of the first progenitors of, he's one of the first people to bring up this like quote unquote ludonarrative dissonance where what the story is telling you which is the narrative is different than what the gameplay is asking of you, which is the Ludo part. Um, so that's my piece on that. If no one has anything to say, I'm sorry. I talked for so long. It's always bothered me. It's bothered me about this game for a long time. <laughs> and so like, really? yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, I won't say like, I thought of it first or whatever at all. Cause I mean, I, I've listened to other think pieces about this whole like dichotomy 
And, 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 and I, so basically what I think is I think the game would have been stronger without its giant twist. Without its huge, like, whoa, you were the, under the guy's, like, influence the whole time. I think if they had just, like, presented it as, like, Atlas and, and, and Ryan in this, like, amazing world, it wouldn't have been as convoluted, um, is my thought. As, as, as far I as, like, I agree with that because, okay. you, like you just said at the start of the song, one of the biggest things people talk about when talking about this game is the twist. Sure. So if you take it out, it's, that's kind of something that makes it special. I mean, I was going to say this earlier, but we've grown so unfit. At least I have like so unfazed by the twist because Mm -hmm. I know what it is and I've known what it is for 15 years now or whatever. Uh, But at the time that was mind blowing shit. Oh yeah. That was absolutely mind blowing. Like that was something that has never been it. Like at least I've experienced that. Like I've never been yanked around so hard in a game like this one, uh, you know, it, it, and I don't know, that's something, you know, and I know you're saying like at the end, you should have had a choice, but you know, they could have gone that direction, but I think they wanted to, you know, I think they had a story in mind and I think the way they wanted to tell that story was, you know, you're pissed off for getting yanked around and you got to go stop the bad guy then. Yeah. yeah. That's been um, yanking to- you around to further elaborate to like set this this the scene for uh, people that didn't play this in 2007 up until that point the only twist in a video game that i can think of that may have been more shocking um was the twist in star wars knights of the old republic i don't think anybody saw that twist coming i'm not going to spoil it for those that haven't played the game mm-hmm. but if you're familiar with it you're going to sit there and be like yeah that was like that's one of two like that was one of the few twists I had no idea was coming. Um, and Bioshock did the same thing. Um, I don't know if I was just so engrossed in the world that I wasn't picking up on the subtle hints um, yeah. that were there. Um, but I remember when you get the heel turn um, from Fontaine to Atlas being like, oh, shit. You know, I'd actually bought into the, oh, yeah, um, you know, Atlas is dead. Or, uh, yeah, that Atlas is dead. Or am I... Am I I'm mixing them up. No, yeah, a- Atlas, Atlas. No, Fontaine is dead, and At became Atlas. Yeah, is the, that's is right. The All right, so yeah, and then I bought it. The Fontaine's dead, and then you know, I actually was like, oh yeah, like the Atlas is my dude. Um, and then um, uh, you know, like I remember that being shocking. Uh, and then getting the whole like backstory for the main character Jack being like, holy shit, like this is wild. Um, but to circle back, Figgy, with what you were talking about, uh, you know, how, like, the, the decision felt very monstrous, um, that's deliberate, um, because that is the core overarching theme of Atlas Shrugged, is that um, as far as man is concerned, um, you know, it should not be, like, men should be driven by um, selfishness and not altruism. Um, so that there's a reason why the choice is kill the girl, get the kill the little girl, get the atom versus, you know, you know, do the right thing. Um, like that's the main point that Anne Rand was trying to say with Atlas Shrug is that, you know, if Atlas, if she was playing the game, she would say, kill that little girl. That's like, that's your job. Like, that's your mm-hmm. goal. Like you need to do what's best for you. Everything else is secondary. 
Um, also, um, the game was not envisioned as having the dual endings that we got. Um, that was another instance of studio interference where the studio felt that, you know, hey, you've got moral choices. You know, if you go down one path, you should get this uh, an ending. You go down the other path, you get an ending. But the original uh, intention was to actually have like a super uh, ambiguous ending. Um, so I don't know. Oh, that um, would have been nice to see. Yeah, like I would like to see like the original like the original intention. Um, but like I said earlier that um, there is a ton of studio interference with the gameplay and the story. Um, at one point, 2K was like, this is not going to work. We're going to lose money. Um, mm. You know, they had no idea that this was going to go on to be such a moment in the cultural zeitgeist. And uh, especially when you look at 2007, um, this is something I, you know, really wanted to mention um, as far as like the impact that Bioshock had is that when you look at the year 2007 in gaming, that mm -hmm. is considered by many to be one of the top years in gaming ever. Like yeah, just to give you, um, you know, just to give the listener some additional context in 2007, you had Bioshock. Uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, God of War 2, uh, Halo 3. Um, you know, you just look down the list of like Didn't any Galaxy come out too. Yeah, Super Mario Galaxy, The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. Oof. Wasn't on like, the Orange Box 2007? Or maybe it was 2006. Uh I don't know. Um I'm looking at There's it. probably like a just a list that curates uh um, you know, curates uh, what the 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 mainline uh, titles are. It was but like it was. if we just look. So Portal and Half Life Two came out in 2007 too. Shit. Yeah, Half Life Two Episode Two came out in 2007. Like, let's just. I'm just gonna read this list really quick of all the games that scored at least 90 percent on um or like a nine nine out of uh, 90 out of 100 on Metacritic. Super Mario Galaxy, The Orange Box, Bioshock, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, the first time, uh, Halo 3, Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, God of War 2, Galactic Civilizations 2, Team Fortress 2, Guitar Hero 2, oh. Rock Band, Resident Evil 4, Wii Edition, uh, World of Warcraft, Burning Crusade, Mass Effect, Crisis, Half-Life 2, Episode 2, Metroid Prime 3, uh, Forza Ooh. Motorsports 2, Legend of Zelda, Phantom Hourglass, Portal. Just and an then, amazing um, And then on top of that, just outside of that box is Uncharted 1, Uncharted Drake's Fortune. You know, like, think of that, like, in, like, that's insane. You yeah. know, when you think about, like, that is crazy, like, 2007. And, you know, a lot of those games, yeah, we still talk about, but like Bioshock was a brand yes. new IP. Like how many of those games were brand new IPs? Like, uh, yeah. you know, Mario, Mario's That's a, a good sequel. Point. The Orange Box was full of sequels. Call of Duty's a sequel. Halo's a sequel. Elder Scrolls a sequel. God of War's a sequel. Like yeah. on that list of games, like Rock Band is a new IP, but I mean, it's really just, you Guitar know, Hero. Guitar Hero expanding. Right. It's not a brand new idea. Um, like it's like you have Bioshock, Mass Effect, and Crisis, and Portal, uh, and Portal, 
are all these new IP that came out in the same year. And it's like, but you know, and those are games that still get talked about, but it's just crazy that this game came out of nowhere. Yeah. No, I mean, don't, don't mistake my criticisms as being like unhappy with the game as a whole. Like I just, I don't think any, like uh, that's not my point. My, like my entire point is that, uh, um, you know, just for the listener, the, cause I know, um, a lot of people that listen to podcasts may not have even, you know, been alive or socially conscious and, yeah. but they're familiar with these IPs. It's just additional background, not a criticism of anything. It's just to, you know, I lived yeah. it and grew I up just in the golden age. Like, yeah, I grew up in the golden age at least three times at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just keeps being golden. Yep. Um, uh, but it's just like, but when I think about it, like, the only other game that really had a story that could go toe to toe with this, in my opinion, um, overall was mass effect, you know, like that's the only thing that gets close as far as moral choices. Um, granted, I would argue that mass effect takes it to a different level. Um, and that's not the shit on portal either portals fun, but that story's very, that's a paragraph. The story in portals, a paragraph. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's still fun. Yeah, Yeah. It's just oozes charm. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, yeah, this game, it was, it was a landmark game, um, and did a lot of things right. And I'm just holding it to such a high standard because it, it strived to do something different and it, it deserves respect for that. And it, um, and, and so like, I guess the reason the whole choice thing bothers me is because, this game in so many ways tells such a mature story and sets up such a mature um, environment for the player. And then the choice that you're made is like a kindergartner's choice. I don't know uh, with the little sisters, but um, I don't think it makes the game overall like bad or anything. I just think that it's, it's what the game is known for. And I feel like it did not execute on what the, it, 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 it did not execute what it want that aspect of what it wanted very well. Um, which is not saying the game itself or the, even the whole plot or story or themes themselves are like thrown out. Don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I just think that that aspect of it, which is a large part of what's remembered for, um, could have just been more effective if they had been hand- handled a little better. Um, and, and in regards to what Steve was saying about it being like a holy shit moment, it absolutely was. It was a holy shit moment to me. I fucking lost my mind when I realized I had been mind controlled the whole time. It's a great, great twist. I'm not arguing it's not a great twist. I, I guess what I was just simp- was saying is that that twist comes at the sacrifice of a more like of kind of like being not clear with like what they wanted to achieve thematically, which is fine. I you know like I'm trying this, this podcast is trying to like look at games like really 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 critically. Um, and so I'm just trying to like, you know, I think the, the biggest point in your favor though, is that the director and writer of the game agrees with you. Oh, I didn't even know that. No, he's a smart fella. Well, no, uh, Ken, Ken Levine, he did not like the way that the game ended up and he wished that he could go back and redo it. Yeah. Um, so I might mean, it's a great twist. Yeah, no. So Ken Levine sounds like a great guy. I would love to, <laughs> um, sounds like a smart fella if I say so myself, but the twist was great. I felt like it muddied up the waters of the plot. Um, 
which maybe that's a worthy sacrifice because that plot twist is iconic. So I would um, say in part the I don't know. I don't know where I stand on on y'all's gripes with the mainly the freedom of gripes. choice and the little the little girls um little sisters. I will say one thing that I think I, I don't know how to put it. One thing that was well done is the only freedom of choice you have in this game or virtually close to the only freedom of choice is the moral dilemma of kill the little sister or save them. Atlas at no point ever tells you you are never th- – that is the only moment you are not commanded to do something. So as a player, you you have the option as a person oh, a sitting behind the screen holding the controller to make that choice of am I going to be the bad guy or am I going to be the good guy? So versus everything you went through, through the whole story, by the time you get to the end, you realize, oh, my God, I never had a choice in any of this. Am I the bad guy? All you have to sit with in silence is what you did to the little sisters. Did you make the right choice? Are you are you a hero or are you a villain? And regardless of that, I think I think it delivers well on that in getting into the psyche of That's true. the human experience and morality and how we view it on craving power over uh you know, morality or consequence. And I think it does a really good job in that aspect whereas the only thing you have to cling to which I think in sense, the overarching story of Bioshock is not about the feud between Atlas and Ryan. It is it is the the plight of these little sisters. And like mm. the story is almost more focused and centered on them and yeah. everything that they've been through and where they end up in the end of it. And based on your only one choice that you actually had freedom over is controlling the outcome of what the true story is about, whether they see freedom and a good life or annihilation and destruction and you assume power and take control as sort of the villain. Now, there are three endings to this series. They're super weak. One and three are strong, but the middle one is like it's the exact same thing, just a different tone of voice. Um, yeah, even the but I yeah, the I do I do think on. credit to them is is giving the player the only thing they actually had control of in the game a a, a pretty pivotal serious role in in judging on your morality scale it, it, so to speak. Yeah. And that is that is the one thing that you chose to do because you were never at any point told to do one or the other. That's a really good point that you're never commanded one way or the other. Um I, I again I think I'm just kind of spoiled on really just one game, but games in general that handle morality better. If you are intrigued by the question of morality in video games, go play Undertale. Go play the, and then make sure you do the genocidal route because that game is a game that makes you feel your choices and the game responds to your choices. And again, that's a game that came out, what, a decade later and 
also had games like Bioshock to look at on what to do and what not to do. So it's not an entirely fair comparison. It's just, I just would have, the game, the game was like on the edge of like touching something great as far as the morality and the choice aspect of the game. It was just, it just, it just bothered me because like, it's like they were reaching for such heights and to me fell short. I do think that the, the, your point about the little sisters about it being the only choice that you really get to make and that no one makes you choose one way or the other is really good. Is a really good context. I will definitely say to your credit, um, the, I mean, I think the entire end game of the series falls flat. I think it was, it was, it was rushed. It was poorly written. I, I, I think story-wise, it was rushed. It wasn't well done. But to your credit, they could have made such a more severe impact on the choice option after you learned, after the what fact. You were, yeah. Because, I mean, you'll get through, you'll kill every little sister, and you'll get through the end, and they're like, There's no difference. okay, they kind of say some snide remarks, but they're all going to help you and get through. Yeah. And, you know, whether you killed one little sister, it doesn't make a difference on your remarks. If you save them all, they'll kind of be happier with you. But it doesn't really make a difference on the story moving forward. You have no more choice. You can't just right. leave. You you have to kill Atlas. You, yep. you, you know, so definitely, definitely super falls flat on on the whole premise it was building on of a man chooses a slave obeys. Right. And the end game doesn't really give you any options. Yeah. Which um, that was kind of what they were going for. It just falls flat. <clears throat> what they in- intended for the player to take away was that you, that free wills that doesn't exist, that there's no such thing. Um, but, you know, when looking into like the original intent, it was like, they wanted you to take away that you never had free will. It's an illusion. Um, that you were just, um, you know, the character that you play as, um, you know, your, your whole purpose was to just do what you were told. Um, well, if that was the intent, then they shouldn't have given you the option with the little sister because that is free will. Well, I, I get what he's saying. I mean, they're pulling the veil behind, Hey, this is actually, here's a look at video games. Yeah. This, no, is, that, what a, exactly. this is what a shooter yeah. is. And so um, I get that aspect for sure. Yeah. But then, like, when researching, like, the original ending, um, they wanted to do... Uh, the original idea was that um, your actions would have consequences, but they would ultimately lead to the same place, which is what you see in Bioshock Infinite. Um, right, yeah. It, um, it's more fully reveal, re- realized um, in Bioshock Infinite. Um, I don't know if it was a technical limitation at the time, but, like, the idea was... Um, what What he didn't like about the ending was that it didn't matter if you killed one little sister and saved the rest, or if you saved one little sister and killed the rest, you would still get the bad ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took umbrage with that, but it was out of his hands um, at that point. And then ultimately, like, the game is rushed towards the end because they have a deadline to meet. Um, they couldn't fully flesh out what they were going for. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, like, when they did Bioshock Infinite, they were just like, hey, do whatever you want. Here's money. Go crazy. Um, which I think also works to the detriment of that game. But that's that's a whole, a whole other, other discussion. Episode. Yeah. Whole other episode. I think um the way like I know we were talking about like, well, maybe they didn't want the twist and like there originally. I I, I do believe they did. 
they they wanted that twist there. I can definitely see like producer influence with like the ending though, like like the big daddy, like oh, wouldn't it be cool if that he became a big daddy at the end? Yeah, you know, like that seems something like a producer would would do. Um, because that it's does just feel like tacked like on I don't think like I think lame. the twist was the twist was definitely intended. It's too, yeah, because even infinite it, it's like too much of a part of the girl. plot. It's just. It's just that I think both endings are bad. Yeah, like, the, they're just not. The actual ending cutscene is just it feels so tacked on, which is like by, by the, that point, like, I'm not even like the bad ending is just so cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, uh, it's and it doesn't really make sense. It's like, OK, you killed a little girl. Now you're going to destroy the world. Like, really? Like, it's just it's too far. Like, it's too far removed from like what I felt the game was going for. And then the good ending, I was just like, well, that's stupid. Like, yeah, it, just, it, just it feels, it's I don't, like, that's like, it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't even thought of it, but like, how, how do you end a game like that? You know, he's well, in like, underwater I, city, I guess, he leaves. Like, you know, the original ending was probably just supposed to be like a, like more, it, it was stated to be ambiguous. So I imagine they, it would have been the kind of ending that critics um, outside of games media would have hated and that your average player probably would have just not got and been like, uh, that's it. It just rolled credits. Yeah. But yeah. You know, we'll never know. I don't think well, it's in, uh, I don't think it's in the book. Uh, Ken Levine wrote a book about making the game and I don't think it's in there. Um, okay, guys, um, let's get into Is it final time? thoughts. It's time. Oh, so I'm gonna roll the time. Up. It's time. Let's let's. Okay, dear baby listener, you've listened to us for I don't know how long the recording is gonna be, but we've been talking for three hours. So, um, the time has come to decide: is this game worthy of the title of a goat game? And I'm gonna roll a dice. And three, two, one, rolling a dice. And it's on me. I, I'm first. Wait, don't I? Wait, don't wow. I just don't? Oh no! Wait, no! Oh, you're right. Wait, 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 wait. You're right. Thank you, thank you for reminding me, Steve. I apologize. The okay. person who did you the elevator, pitch, the person who does the elevator pitch, is going to go first, and I'll go next. Yes, because obviously I like the game. Yeah, no, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a goat, um, Ooh, for sure. It's, okay. uh, I love the plot. You know, the gameplay. It does what it it's it's supposed to do. It's good enough. Um, you know, it, it's just the world though that uh, that is really that really draws you in. Uh, the visuals, like I said, the the sound, the sound effects, the 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 soundtracks, everything. Um, it, like I said too, um, I really haven't experienced a game this deep with you know the lore and and the twists and everything. This was one of the first. Uh, experiences where i felt like they you know it cranked up my uh story games up to the next level uh because prior to this i was just playing like mario and zelda which you know they're good and fun uh but this brings story to a whole different level when you compare to games like those uh so i definitely have to give it a go hell yeah awesome okay uh that's one goat down i'll go now um, I have been extremely conflicted on whether or not I wanted to give this game a goat. What are you What are you doing, Q? What are you pointing? I'm judging you. I'm waiting for your results. <laughs> oh, you're waiting. Okay. I've been very conflicted because 
playing through it again um, without nostalgia goggles. I was annoyed by the, a lot of the gameplay aspects. Um, and again, I'm very sympathetic to the fact that they didn't have a budget and that they didn't have time. Um, but, you know, the whole point of this podcast, I think art criticism in general is you kind of just judge the work based on what's put in front of you because some people have made games with zero budget that have been phenomenal and people have also made games with infinite time and budgets that have been completely ass so um i am sympathetic to them as a person but as a critic i have to be you know like whatever i have to kind of like just judge by what's put in front of me so i think the gameplay has issues i don't think they're as glaring or as distracting as some other games that i mean i've played in general and that even that we've reviewed on the podcast um and the and I and like I said, I have issues with how they handled the larger questions that they were really swinging for the fences for. But the fact that they swung <laughs> rat. for those <laughs> rat, you don't have to agree with me or whatever. You, I, I'm, I'm very no, keep interested. going, keep going, do your thing. The fences, the fact that they swung for those fences again at a time when. If not, they were the first. It certainly was not popular for video games to try and tackle these larger questions, both political questions, moral questions, philosophical questions. Um, they swung hard, and what they did, although I don't think it was done in a way that I think I necessarily agree with when it comes to choice and morality, they did it effectively, as evidenced by the fact that so many people who play this game are so affected by it and by its twist by its moral questions and by its political questions. And for someone who really studies literature or politics or philosophy, you know, the, I'm not trying to say this is, this is like groundbreaking work. If you actually, you know, read political theory, it's, this isn't going to like blow your mind, but it presents it in a way that, it, that it's so compelling and interesting for so many people that even if they didn't handle it as well as I would have liked, I don't think it's fair to say they didn't do it, that they didn't, didn't do it completely effectively. And what they did do well, they did exceedingly well. Like I said, this is probably, I cannot think of any other game that handles world building as well as this game. Full stop. Um, and, and, and games that just handle atmosphere as well as this game. The, the right, the, again, if you, whether or not I agree with how they handled the overarching writing, like the, the giant plot points, the, the, the themes, the individual writing of the dialogue is just incredibly effective. Andrew Ryan is just an incredibly compelling character. Atlas, a compelling character. Um, Tenenbaum, a wonderfully written compelling character. Su Chong, super interesting and weird character. Every character who gets any amount of screen time is just so great to listen to. Not great like you agree with them, but just great as in like well-written, well-realized, well-acted. You understand You understand each of them with the very limited amount of time each of them gets. And so I am going to let it squeak by with a goat. It, it is ultimately a goat. It is ultimately a goat, but I, in my wow. opinion, it's it gets by the skin of its teeth of if it's a goat because I think it does have a significant amount of flaws. This is not a glowing goat where it's like obviously a goat to me. It is a lot. I was a lot more conflicted than I thought I would be based on my memory of this game. So um, I will give it a goat, and now I will roll. All right, and um, if it's, I guess I'll just do one to two. That's or a good four. point too. What you were saying, like it does take like political aspects and 
puts it in front of a whole different audience. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like dude bros are playing this game. Dude bros don't go to college for political yeah. science. You, you know. <laughs> exactly. I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, this is this is a lot of people's first intro, and this is a lot of people's like first taste or early taste of like. A lot of more complex political theory, a lot of more, you know, like a lot of like philosophical ideas, moral ideas. And conversely, the opposite end, um, it's a game that you can recommend to your nerd friends, your nerd literary friends. You'd be like, look, I know you don't love video games, but this game like handles a, like a lot of really interesting questions in a very fun, effective way. And it handles and it puts you in a world that's en- absolutely engrossing at the same time. I, I, I just think it has a really good crossover appeal to a, like to both ends of the spectrum i guess um zach i rolled for you next oh, Shit. um <laughs> uh, well you know uh to be honest you know when i went back and played the game you know i was like well this isn't quite what i remember and i was like well it's 15 years old And I found myself trying to look at it through that lens. And I went back and read opinions um, on the game that were contemporary to 2007. And was looking through the criticisms then. And I came to realize that while playing it, a lot of my issues were from looking at it from a 2022 lens, having played other Mm -hmm. games. Some of the things that I didn't like... Um, I was like, well, the reason I don't like them is because this game created them and everybody beat it to death. Um, and I was like, so my biggest conflict was, do I rate this game for what it was when it came out? Um, or do I rate it for when I went back and revisited it? And I figured with, you know, having been able to experience it when it was new, I felt that that was the appropriate way to handle it um, because that's how we've looked at the older games on the show um, is looking at them as a product of their time. Um, And I found that um, the best way I can look at it is it's a flawed masterpiece. Um, It's not the perfect game by any stretch of the definition. Um, I do have a lot of gripes with it, um, both from a technical and gameplay perspective Um, but I just, I love the story. I love the world building. Um, and at the end of the day, I just, you know, sat back and I was like, is this a game that I would recommend somebody today to go play? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd recommend anybody go back and play Bioshock. Um, and I just kind of like when the pendulum stopped swinging, I landed on goat. Um, I just feel that the good in this game outweighs the bad um and it's you know it's like anything like you know you can have an album with two or three banger songs and the rest suck i'm not gonna not tell you to not listen to those songs you can have you know a movie that has a great uh a great plot that's poorly executed that's still enjoyable and when i looked at bioshock i was like well this this is a fun game like objectively speaking the game's fun to play even despite the flaws it held my interest the whole time. Um, even if it stumbles towards the end, um, you know, it was when the credits rolled, who didn't just kind of sit back and just go, holy shit. Sure. You know, like, you know, it, it's, and it's a game that has stuck with me this long. Um, so, you know, based off of all that, I was like, yeah, this is, this is a goat. 
this is one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah. All right. Bioshock's doing good. Three goats. Q, how do you feel about this game? I'm going to tell you how I feel. This game's a goat, y'all. I'm just going to throw it out there right out front and center. Okay? I was so impressed. Having not played this game before, playing it four years ago, I played it. I loved it. Now, believe me or not, baby listener, but I did not remember the huge plot twist when I replayed this game. <laughs> you need to get your brain just checked, recently. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some serious memory issues. But I will tell you this. Well, you're when telling I me Bruce this, was dead at the whole time. A little bit ago. When I played this game a little bit ago and got to the end of it for the first time again, I completely did not remember the huge plot to twist until it was happening i went down i saw like the memory wall with all like the newspaper clippings and the strings and i was like mm-hmm. oh my god uh and uh what was it it was would you kindly like posted all over the place and then yeah. i was like oh no oh no and it was starting to come back to me and then i got into the back room and then i, I was confronted with andrew ryan and he, then that whole scene unfolded and i was just as blown away and floored than I was the first time I played it. Not really that long ago, but somehow I did not remember that at all until it happened. You need to go to a neurologist. (laughs) Listen, 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 that's neither here nor there. But I will say, like, the plot, the gameplay, I I mean, it it was so dang good and entertaining and fun and that twist at the end was like it was it was shaking how powerful it was and going back to that time period i mean like many of you have said what games do we have before that other than maybe mass effect one which or not 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 mass effect uh kotor um Knights of the Old Republic, which had such such a crazy, crazy, wild twist at the end of it. Like, it was not only that, the, the intro of the game. What shooters can you think of that had such an incredible opening sequence that was so enthralling that pulled you into the world and integrated you so well and caught you so up to date with how fleshed out and real the world was? The only other game I can really think of maybe half-life one which was kind of the predecessor to all of those those beginning opening sequences for shooters i mean it was the art style still holds up today it was a phenomenal choice that they chose for for the way the the game was depicted um with the graphics and the art style the the time period was so unique it came out a huge factor for me was whether or not this game came out before or after Fallout 3, which was same type period piece, music, aesthetics, oh, that yeah. fo- 20s, sure. 40s I vibe, think- and this game preceded it by the previous year. So that was like a huge a huge up in, in this game's defense of, I mean, it it really knocked everything out of the park. And I think that every... Every design, like every level design, every aspect you see in in the build of the levels correlated to the narrative. Nothing was gone to waste. Every single thing you come across 
throughout the whole course of the game had a point. It was not just filler. And I think that was huge. Now, yes, the ending left a lot to be desired for. I don't love the boss. I really, after the huge plot twist, I think there were a lot of gimmicky areas where it was just unfinished, not well fleshed out. But overall, this game, this game set a standard for action shooter RPGs. And I think there's a lot to live up to when looking back at this game for things that came ahead of it. So it's a go. Hell yeah. Thank you for not giving a half-assed answer like Figgy and Zach. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> wow. That was, damn. Hey, it wasn't half-assed. It was nuanced. Okay. <laughs> well, not we don't do nuance on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So fine. Okay. The game is, is <laughs> the game's a go. I'll play a sound effect here. A, a satisfying sound effect. Go. Did we, we ever land on um, like verbiage for unanimous goats, or are we just leaving it to all five? A I don't gold, even re- golden goat for all five. A golden goat was was proposed. Um, Steve had a whole system. Steve had a whole like like flowchart. <laughs> Steve, Steve, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Not, you melted my brain with your gonna, system. It wasn't it was even complex. that hard. It, you, it, it was goat, and if it was a goat, then you had stars. So today would be a four star goat. It wouldn't okay. be a five star goat because Rob's not here. So no, I but then a, a golden system. goat. I have a simpler system to propose. Okay, hit me. If hit us. everybody on the podcast says it's a goat, but we're not the the core the five core members aren't here, okay. it's a golden goat. Okay. If today. all five if all five of us call it a goat, it's a platinum goat. Oh. That's pretty good. That'll Simple. work. Simple. Just, you know, it's either, you know, that yeah. way it's unanimous. A golden goat's unanimous. And then you can do silver if unanimous. there's like, uh, if somebody disagrees or something. Maybe. Or just call it goat. Yeah, and it's a poopy goat if half and half. Yeah, so no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a goat. Um, let's do let's do the outro really quick. Oh, pa- real quick, though. What's up? I... If your game, if not, you can you can definitely edit this out. Um, but I do have a listener question. Oh yeah, hit me for fuck's oh. sake! Yes. Oh shit! <gasps> new new segment that we may do so, only once. Let's do a listener question. Now this is going to be controversial. Okay. But, okay, we may or may not do a listener <laughs> question. Not that kind of controversial. <laughs> oh okay. Like, this is going to cause a discussion. Okay. Like, All right. Well, this fuck is going to end up being. This is going to be something that I think a lot of people are going to be have very strong opinions on. But I promise you, it's not political or religious. Okay. I mean, I'll and I, I can destroy it if it's too nasty or something. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So you sit down at your kitchen counter and you have your favorite cereal and the milk in front of you. Do you pour your cereal in first or your milk? This, oh, this is, is not nothing to do with bio cereal. One hundred percent. What is there anyone who's yeah. going to say milk first? Because they, they can just nobody leave. puts milk in first. No one puts then milk you just first. Have cereal floaters, and then you're out of balance. You have to push that stuff down with the spoon. The, you're, you're not min maxing here. You're yeah, wasting your time. Exactly. No, your cereal, I'm, I'm with you here. Your <laughs> cereal will just overflow on top. That's now not, the real question are... is: orange juice or milk? Hmm? In cereal? Oh yeah. 
OJ. No. Oh, you do not eat cereal with orange juice. OJ puts a a pep in your step. I'm telling you, my friend. Rat is just trying to enrage me. There's no way. (laughs) I'm telling you, look it up. It's a real thing, and it's delicious. No, anyway, back to the it's delicious. Rat, I, rat, I want you to look into the camera and tell me that you've eaten cereal with orange juice as, as your as your filling. Extra as your pulp, Captain Crunch, or Lucky Charms. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I regret this decision. This is very disturbing. I can't handle it. But apparently, um, they had asked this question um, on Reddit. And got surprising results um, where a lot of people put milk first. Well, they're well, those, psychopaths. They're psychopaths, and With, they're just like like Rat was saying. It, it, the physics of it don't make sense. Yeah, they're just little but, babies um, who don't know better. Okay, we'll teach yeah, you. But, we'll guide uh, you. Follow us. This, this came in from a <laughs> listener. Come with me. I'll show you the promised land. <laughs> Putting the this cereal came in first. from a uh, listener that I know. So I answered them in text. And my answer was cereal first. I'm not a heathen. And uh, he said, I love how everyone I know is answering this while also calling the milk firsters fucking crazy. Yeah. Because they are. They deserve it. I don't think they exist. I think they are propaganda or some kind of like psyops by the Russians to convince Americans to de- further divide the American resolve that because there's no way that those people are real. There's like, yeah, no, they're no, all no, a no. part of big milk who just want you to I'm have a bigger maybe, bowl of milk than cereal. Maybe they're just living off the mentality of a man chooses a slave obeys. Oh my gosh. It's and they're, 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 they're being mad about it. They're like, you know what? No, I'm telling you, Vladimir Putin is a milk first. <laughs> He is totally. <laughs> he's an only milk. He only he cereal only, first makes sense, but he, nah. He's got a dry bowl and a wet bowl. One with milk. <laughs> yeah. Um. He he only drinks milk by the bowl, and does. I will it. say. And then and then he probably dips his bagel in it or something. The sick oh fuck. No, I will say that um, I'm not going to name names, but I know somebody from college that would put a spoonful of dry cereal in their mouth and uh-huh. then take a sip of milk. <laughs> I can oh. that. No, I don't, don't, don't diss that. Don't diss now, the that. thought That's... process was their favorite cereal was Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and they were one. concerned that it would get soggy if it sat. So they kept it. They said every every bite was crunchy, milky, creamy, and cinnamony. And I just that just seems them. like too much work. Like bro, and I was just, just like, yeah, man, down. I'm just gonna eat the cereal super fast. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is th- way too much effort. What did that person grow up to be? Because it had to be something that was just that person optometrist. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, just like obsessed with like the tiny little measurements and stuff. Like that, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't sound like a anyway. No offense to optometrists. I know we have a big shout optometrist. out to the optometrist. And we, I always end up shooting. We always end up shooting on some large group of people every episode. Um, and this week, right. it's, it's optometrist. All right, guys, tune Fuck in them. next week to see who we shit on next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, we're coming so, for you. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you. So um, no one is safe. And um, you, you know who we got? Uh, you know who's up next? Who's on the chopping block next? Those crazy motherfuckers that think a hot dog is a sandwich. Oh that's man! Now that—that's not that's a, a discussion. Thing. We will discuss that next time because that's going to be a whole thing. Um, okay, guys. So let's thank you, dear baby listener, for listening in on our uh, discussion of Bioshock. I hope you had a good time. Maybe laughed. Maybe cried. 
maybe learn something. Maybe maybe caught a, a, a viral disease. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, I'm very tired. I worked. I've been up. I've been up since five in the morning, and we've been recording. I'm so tired, bro. Borderline four <laughs> hours. Um, so I'm a little delirious. Um, next week we will be discussing disco elite. What's up next, next month? Week? Next well, month, next pod, ne- at least not next, next week. Next, next episode. Year, sometime in the next century, we're going to discuss the game Disco Elysium, um, an indie darling uh, that is pretty darn good. Um, um, you can catch us. Uh, we this show is made in, uh, in in association with the network. You can find our shows and other great shows at BICBP-radio.com. We have multiple socials. So you can find us at Goat Games Pod at Twitter. Um, on Twitter, we have an email at GoatGamesPodcast at gmail.com. And um, you can find all of our various Twitches. They'll be in the uh, they'll be in the episode description if you want to come follow either of any of us there. We've also started a YouTube channel. Um, there you can few, find the first few episodes of me and Rat Parade dicking around, and um, hopefully we'll be getting some of the other uh, Goat Games crew in on that shortly. Maybe I don't know how that's working. Yeah, we'll um, be we'll be posting podcast episodes on the YouTube, but also a sort of side note is yeah, we'll be doing some uh, kind of let's plays on not so much Goat Games, but more just playing games and having fun. So it'll yeah, be, just, it'll be a good time. Yeah, mediocre games. Um, which is not just okay games, just uots. Over, over, okayest of all time, uots games. Um, where we just kind of dick around, shoot the shit, and be silly and play games. Um, is there any other any other things I'm missing as far as announcements? We love you. That's an announcement. I love you. We love. I don't. We we love you. Um, most of us here love you. There's some people we don't want to talk about but yeah some people are are against you listener um but most of us love you um in a very healthy parasocial way um okay all right y'all um till next time ggs Oh yeah, I, I I search I Google search Zach all the time. I mean, you're not gonna find anything. I mean, look at his fucking beard, dude. Like, how do you not? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful beard. He's got he's got me beat. It's so lush. I'm, it's so sad. This is day four. Fucking think he's even got me beat. Jesus. Yeah, man, you baby face. We should have we should have delayed this by like two weeks. I would have got you guys both beat. <laughs> wow. My beard's not ready for the recording. The people will be able to hear my beardlessness. Exactly. <laughs> Is that light behind me going to give you a migraine? Should I move it? My fan, the lights in my ceiling fan have died, so I'm using that. No, it's fine. Um, I'm fine with it. I don't. I, I I don't look at you anyway. 
I just like to have you on camera for the power play, just to know that like <laughs> he wants to know that so, asses are in the seat, so you can see that I'm not looking at you. <laughs> exactly. I don't I pretend everybody's naked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I can, so I can pretend you're naked. Yeah. Um, I don't have any pants on. Prove it. I, I'm in my pajamas. I got my little baby Yoda pajamas Ooh. on. Um, that's right. It's just baby Yoda's on the dick. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <hello>. Wow. <laughs> It's more like a it's more like a baby Yoda banana hammock. <laughs> no, we can talk about bugs. I mean, that's kind of gameplay. I like, just wanted to make sure I didn't miss that because I got some. Dude, things. can you not? Can you not eat? <laughs> it's just can, listen. Okay. You can cut this out, okay? No, but you're talking and making points while you have a mouthful of fajita. <laughs> These aren't podcast worthy points. <laughs> okay, that's a pizza. You didn't look. Come on, dude. Oh, now I'm hungry. Oh, jeez, he's just eating the whole thing. Oh. He just unhinged his jaw and shoved an entire fajita into it. That was just... Isn't that pizza? I don't I know. I thought it was a calzone. No, it's pizza. I saw it. Don't think, don't think your boy was looking at that pizza when he walked in the screen. I was like, oh. Okay. oh. <laughs> I mean, Steve, Steve is from the state of New York. He probably has very strong opinions on pizza. I do. We have we be, pizza's a religion around here. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, I call pizzas um Italian fajitas, so that's so I'm still right. I'm going to I'm going to build my own rapture and it's just going to be based off pizza. I chose the impossible. I chose pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no says the hut. Pizza belongs to, <laughs> to the bucket. No says Papa John's. <laughs> Oh, book it gamers. That's right, book it gamers. 